Well, welcome back, 613 Golfers, uh, to another episode of 613 Golfer Podcast, uh, sponsored this week by TaylorMade Golf and the all-new 2021 lineup of TaylorMade uh, golf clubs, including the uh, new Sim 2 drivers, irons, hybrids, and fairways. Check it all out at taylormadegolf.ca. Well, I'm back. I know I've been gone for a week. Uh, no, not a vacation. Uh, definitely not a vacation. Uh, a little bit of a hiatus to uh, prepare, if you will, for and and get through production of uh, of our latest digital edition. Um, production time is a little different when you're not doing print because you don't have to turn it around in a week and wait a week for it to come back. So just finished doing an issue. Uh, got it out there, the May 2021 edition of Flagstick, which also represents the official 25th anniversary edition of Flagstick. Um, and uh, this issue obviously features a century of uh, golf, of organized golf in our region. And, and that's really important because essentially that's what Flagstick was originally created um, to, to follow was the organized golf and, and obviously pick up the little stories here and there. But essentially um, it, it, it was created to cover those events and get those uh, get people's names in print, <clears throat> if you will, as kind of the kind of the, the mandate of the magazine. Um, and then just evolved from there. Uh, 25 years later, here we are, you know, doing digital editions and podcasts and, and uh, unfortunately not print issues. But um, also very glad to be back talking 613 golf with everybody after this week off and, and glad that we're back playing golf. Um, I'm excited about that. I'm sure everybody's excited about that. It's good for my business. It's good for this podcast. It's good for everybody. Uh, yes, all the, the mental health and physical uh, side of it is important. But let's not forget that there are a lot of other businesses out there that are not open yet. Um, and we're getting there. Uh, phase one is supposed to kick in in a couple of weeks. And, and hopefully the businesses, the other businesses will get open and, and back to doing what they enjoy doing and, and uh, you know, making a living and putting food on their table and so on. So uh, let's not forget that when we're woohooing and cheering and going on and on about how great it is that golf is back. Golf may be back, um, but uh, there's a lot of businesses that are still not back, and, and we, we want those businesses to get back because it's good for our economy. It's good for everybody. So um, let's, uh, let's hope that happens pretty soon. Now, this episode is not about doom and gloom. This episode is, is about um, stories and history. Uh, this episode is about our stories and our history, and I'm excited about this episode. I'm really excited about it because and part of the reason we took that week was to kind of get through that digital edition, get it out there, uh, do everything we needed to do with respect to that so that we could focus on preparing, uh, you know, digging back into the archives, taking a trip down memory lane, trying to prepare for what we're going to do today and and what we're going to do today is we're going to take a walk down memory lane we're going to talk about uh some of the stories and the nuances and the the little things that have happened over the last 25 years with flagstick um and not so much the news stories not so much the the things that made the headlines in the magazine um you know who won what and and what course did we profile and stuff like that it's going to be more about you know my favorites uh uh, you know, uh, favorite stories, favorite covers, uh, little stories along the way during delivery, things like that. So there's going to be a lot of different things that we're going to talk about. And what's really important here is that it's not just me talking about it. What's going to make this even more exciting is, aside from my wife, there are only two other people on this planet that know as much about Flagstick 
and have been involved with Flagstick since day one. And when I say day one, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about since the first issue came out or in the first year. I'm talking about conception to production of that first issue. There's only two other people other than my wife that, that have been involved in that. And those two people are Scott McLeod and Joe McLean. Um, both have been an integral part of, of the building of this business and this magazine and this brand over the last 25 years, in, in both in different ways. Um, and both started out in different ways. And, and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to, you know, we're going to really dig in and, and get to the get to the bottom of what's happened over the last 25 years of Flagstick. And, and it's, it's going to be so exciting. So that's what this show is going to be about. When we get to the end, we're going to do our tip uh, and, and whatnot at the end after we're after we're done our chat. But the, we're really going to get into this and it could be a long podcast. So get the popcorn, get the drinks. Get the easy chair, fire it up on the TV if you want to, fire it up on the computer, put it on the radio, park your car on the side of the road if you want, because you do not want to miss this episode of 613 Golfer Podcast. We're going to be back with Scott McLeod and Joe McLean, and we're going to be talking about Flagstick in the last 25 years. You do not want to miss this. Stay with me. We'll be right back. To make sure the TP5 is the best ball for every shot in golf, we had some friends put it to the test. Hydra. Check. 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 One hop and stop. Out of the short grass? I have no grass. Check. Low spinner. Knockdown wedge. Driver off the deck. No matter the shot, there's one ball that's better for all. Check. Introducing the newly redesigned TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X. Check. The most complete ball in golf just got even better. Only from TaylorMade. Well, we're back. And uh, as I promised, we're here. Uh, I'm here with uh, my good friend, Joe McLean and Scott McLeod. And as I said, when we led into the break, that uh, Joe and Scott are the only two people that have been around um, and uh, been involved in Flagstick and uh, since day one. And when I said, like I said before, day one, meaning day one before magazine. <laughs> it was, it's a 1996 BM before magazine. So um, Scott, Joe, welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. Uh, actually, I think it was actually before magazine, before magazine, back to the concept days of looking at the original sketch. <laughs> I, I know you'll probably get to it, but yeah. I, I can remember, obviously, you having the concept for the magazine and we're looking at it and you eventually reference that and I'm sure we'll get to it. But uh, yeah, it's been a long time and thanks for having me. No problem. Joe, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Long time since we were at that meeting at the Hunt Club where you walked away with a big frown on your face. Yeah, yeah. So, so as we're going to get into all of this, and this is, I'm like, I'm super pumped about this because normally what happens with with any anniversary that we've done, and we've done them, you guys, we you've been involved in every single one of them. We've done them five years, ten years, fifteen years. There's always an article in the magazine. You know, there was the one year I think we did Man Behind the Mag, which was a profile on me. Um, and there's been many years where we've just done what happened the last five, what happened the last 10, what happened the last 15. Well, obviously, the situation is different now. And while we, we just published online um, the May 2021 digital edition of Flagstick, uh, Complete in All Its Glory, uh, normally in that issue, we would do some kind of 
you know, flagstick 25th anniversary feature. We didn't. We had a different feature in there on the uh, century of, of organized golf in the region, um, written uh, by Joe him right, right there. Joe at the top of the screen. Uh, big undertaking, lots of words. Well done, Joe. Um, <laughs> well, we had a good basis because Scott had done one on the 100th anniversary of golf. And uh, so we picked and chose and amalgamated them both together. Yeah, it was a great article. I actually, I actually read it. Believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> now you guys I know I very it. seldom ever read the magazine after it's published. So mainly because I don't want to find any mistakes. <laughs> don't go there. Either one of you. I'm this not, is I'm not. not the, this not is not the time. <laughs> this is not the time. So um, as I was saying, we normally do something like that. Well, obviously, going and doing something like that in a digital form, we're already digital everybody's going to look at it in the magazine and then they're going to go to the website and read it on the mag in the, in the website. So if we're going to do that anyway, I thought, no, we've got this new platform, the 613 golfer podcast that I've been doing. And this is, this is the perfect opportunity to bring the three of us together and just, you know, jump down that slide <laughs> and, uh, and see where it takes us. And there's a lot of things that have happened in the last 25 years that uh, are not printed in the magazine because they're the stories that go along with getting the stories and writing the articles. So that's what I want to do here uh, with you guys today. And I think that the, the viewers and the listeners uh, to this podcast are going to enjoy some of what we've, uh, we've uh, got to say, and they might be shocked by some of it too. Guys, just in case you're wondering, here it is. Uh, there is only one of these in existence. There's not a first edition, second edition. What, a few what, what kind of font is that? I have no idea. I was looking at it and there's a little bit of mold across the top oh. here. It's It's been in the safe in the garage and, you know, since, since day one. You'll see here, Kingston area's yes. only golf magazine because the original concept was, um, was a magazine. It was while I was working at the advertiser on the back of the concept cover, uh, Golfer's Choice, which is the store that Scott owned with his partner, Jim Petronka, back in the day. I was the general manager. Um, and, but I always had this idea. I wanted to do this, this yeah. leg stick. Uh, you know, who would have thought this was the original concept? And, uh, and it ultimately, it led to this, which was the original issue. So Joe jumped right off the top there and said, um, the frown on my face after the, uh, the first um, OVGA meeting that I attended where I pitched the concept for Flagstick Magazine. And, and, you know, people should know that while it's possible that some things can happen regardless of certain events, um, that particular situation, and I'll let Joe speak to it a little bit more, but that meeting, when I left that meeting, was a very discouraging meeting. And if not for Joe, um, the chances of Flagstick actually ever happening um, after that meeting became a lot less. Like it was, you know, it could have been a 50-50. It might even, might even have been more of a 70-30 not to ever happen. So, Joe, why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit, because that's an interesting story, you know, the 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 events that happened and then the events that followed that, that led to actually everything kind of ended, uh, going forward. Well, I guess I was the tournament director with the Ottawa Valley Golf Association at that time. And uh, we were having a, a, a board meeting at the Ottawa Hunt Club. And uh, I didn't know 
you were on the agenda. I didn't know you. Uh, but then uh, the board gave you the time to uh, pitch your case about a, a regional magazine and involve the Ottawa Valley Golf Association. And unfortunately, uh, uh, one of our one of our board members uh, put the poo poo to that and basically said, uh, "Well, if Valley Golf News can't make it, what makes you think you can make it?" And the look on your face, uh, because the discussion didn't go too much further. You uh, explained a little bit, and then uh, I guess you were excused. And uh, when you were walking away, I excused myself from the board meeting, caught up to you, and just said, look, uh, meet me tomorrow at uh, the restaurant across from Harvey's on uh, at Billings Bridge on Bank Street. I think it was Crocodilly's restaurant. Yeah, I think so. And I uh, showed up the next day with a loaf of Rito Bakery bread, gave it to you. I said, if you're going to be in Ottawa, you got to enjoy this bread. And I brought you three copies of the Valley Golf News and said, uh, find out why they folded. We need we need a magazine. I mean. Valley Golf News, while they were in existence, it was a great spreadsheet, and they did a lot of coverage. And if, I figured if you could uh, even come close to that, and then you can pick up the story from there. Well, I mean, it, yeah, and, and that's that's interesting. And I mean, I, I mean, I've told Scott the story uh, a number of times. In fact, Scott and I had a, a, dis a discussion about that that very day after it happened because i mean scott's been my best friend for for quite some time and and we've we've worked together on a number of different projects and um you know uh, he knows how discouraged i was after that meeting but uh, you know after you approached me in the parking lot you know i felt a little bit more a little bit more up, upbeat about the idea of it but then after we had uh, after we broke bread so to speak or got bread um you know, I was I was a little more pumped to to move forward, and I did. You know, I did actually have the chance to talk to the previous publishers of Valley Golf News, which, by the way, was a great publication. And timing is everything. You know, with with any business, and you know, as you know, uh, anybody that's ever run a business or, or started a business, is timing is everything. And the timing when I started Flagstick, the timing was was right. It may have been even just a tad too early. Uh, as we really didn't pick up a lot of momentum with the magazine in the first couple of years, uh, at least in the first year. Um, but timing is everything. And, and after that meeting, I mean, like I said, it, you know, that was, that was somebody who recognized something that was going to be, that could be potentially really good and, uh, and didn't, didn't want to let someone be discouraged by, you know, uh, a single person or a couple people kind of poo-pooing the ideas. <laughs> As, as Joe put it, and, and, you know, because maybe they were connected strongly to the previous people. And, you know, I mean, Scott, you know what it, what I was like after that, that meeting and how I felt about, you know, ugh. yeah, I mean, the, the thing was, you had been so enthusiastic about the project for, you know, many years. I mean, you, you showed that, uh, you know, that concept piece there. And, you know, we talked about it for years of what it could be and how important local content and, and regional coverage uh, for golf and, and how 
key it was as far as growing the game. And, you know, we recognize the fact that there were a lot of, you know, there were some national publications and things. Local papers would occasionally give some coverage to golf, but there were so many stories that were out there. And that's what you were so enthusiastic about. And, you know, for all of a sudden you have this great idea and for it to sort of, you know, somebody to dent your enthusiasm, so to say, um, you know, was, I was disappointed for you, but I also knew you would persist. I, I knew that uh, you were determined to do that and whatever someone else said uh, wasn't going to stop you. And thankfully, you know, Joe's encouragement, you know, fueled you a little bit more. Well, and that's it. And I think that's again, why I go back to, um, you know, you two being here talking about this is because, you know, when I said, I mean, that meeting, that was pre-magazine. Joe was involved since, since the very beginning and, you know, in, in, you know, getting it off the ground, at least in, in from an encouragement standpoint. Now um, I don't want this. We're not going to make this into a, okay, that's 1996. Let's go on to 1997 <laughs> and what we do. No. Cause like that's 25 hours worth of, uh, conversation so our, our but, memories aren't that good for <laughs> i said look at i told you before joe your memory on all of this stuff is probably way better than mine i actually had to look a lot of stuff up because that's that's how much some of it i try to block out um so but i do want to focus a little bit on 1996 because 1996 was year one and there was and, and that was sort of if we don't get out of 1996 <laughs> and then then we don't have a 2021 so 1996 was obviously like with any business is a pivotal year and in our business to make it out of the first five years let alone the first two or three is uh is that's a that's an accomplishment in itself so um but uh you know looking back to the first issue and joe you had a copy of the first issue you showed me before we came on air there um feature number one i mean the feature this is the feature in golf magazine how well do you know the masters and and of course look at i'm a golf guy i i know golf but when it comes to you know the writing and and stuff like that you know i may do for a lot of years with what i was able to do but scott was our feature writer back then scott the how well do you know the masters how yeah <laughs> I mean, I, I, guess, I guess we weren't sure where things were going to go. And, you know, you had a, you sort of had a concept of a mix of things you were going to do. And, you know, I can remember, I still have it in my office. I should have brought it out for this, but, you know, my original assignment on a little yellow piece of uh, paper, you know, with this, how well do you know the masters and, and, you know, obviously some product stuff and things. And it says right on it, May, 1996. And I kept that in my office and pinned up for the longest time. And, you know, it was just a reminder of where we came from. And, you know, I can remember at the time, obviously I was involved with the, the retail store here in Kingston. And, uh, you know, you sort of brought that to me as my assignment on the sheet. We, you know, we weren't emailing as much or, or whatever then. And, you know, you were playing the role of the publisher, editor, produce everything, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, brought that to me. And I'm like, all right, there's my assignment. I, I've got to do it. And you probably gave it to me months in advance or whatever. But, you know, you had decided this was the time of year. It was the springtime in, you know, in Canada, even though the Masters had happened the month before. But it was coming out, you know, uh, at a time when people would pay attention to the masters and yeah you decide to go with the masters trivia thing and I big question mark cover <laughs> yeah exactly and hey you know what it, it is what it is you had to start someplace 
Um, and you know, truth be told, you know, at least some people paid attention to it right from the start. Some, <laughs> some, <laughs> some. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that some is probably uh, probably right. exact. Like that was Scott's <laughs> first assignment. Yeah. Um, but you know, the articles that were written in the magazine back in 1996. Um, Joe know Joe knows too from from all the years that I'm not I'm not a writer I'm not a particularly great writer um, I have a very difficult time with the bigger stories getting going um, and uh, and Scott said there that he he was um, he was a part owner of a, a retail golf shop in Kingston and I still even though I was living in Ottawa, I would still go down to Kingston and I would visit and um, email wasn't really a thing as much. I, I don't even know. God, I don't even think I had an email address. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 for sure you did. I mean, I can remember having email two and three years before that. Netscape.ca. Yeah, but obviously, you know, in-person communication was a lot more common. And like you said, you, you know, you had been the general manager at the store and you'd still come down and visit and and see us and talk about things. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's where you're getting to as far as the requests on me to maybe well, help the, you out a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Exactly. The, the very first time that, that that really happened is I think I was writing a feature um, a you feature a golf. Number, What's that? You had a fax number. I did. I did. <laughs> there was a fax machine and there was an occasion where our, our, our previous cat, um, Pepper, uh, walked across the fax machine in the apartment and, and phoned my parents. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So God knows who he was faxing in the middle of the night that I don't know about. Um but uh, um, I could never get this article on Colonnade Golf Course. I, I or no, I wasn't calling this Calabogie. Calabogie. Yeah. I couldn't get this article started for the life of me. I could not figure out how to get this article started. And I was down in Kingston, and, and I, I'm visiting Scott at the store, and he was buying the calendar, and and I said, "Man, I I can't. I just don't even know where to go with this. I I, I can go once I get going." So. Scott, Scott sort of just took it and said, yeah, okay, I'll, I let, let's do that. He did boom, 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 boom. He had next thing, you know, I have, I have two or 300 words of this story ready to go. And, and then we get it finished and everything. And it was a great story and everything. And I, you know, it said, you know, course profile Calabogie by Jeff Botter. <laughs> so, like, but, but that's okay. At yeah. that point, I knew there was no way that this was ever going to fly if I didn't have Scott around. So, <laughs> So, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting, some of those, so some of those things that happen over, you know, that's all in the first year. Yeah. Um, you know, and for me, I got married um, in June of 1996. And, uh, and then, you know, honeymoon right afterwards, the magazine, the, the, the July issue of the magazine was dropped off at the printer on my way to Kingston to get married. I finished the production drop it off at the printer, which was in Gananoque at the time. So it worked out well, drove to Kingston, did the married thing, <laughs> left, left Kingston, went on the honeymoon to Lake Placid, came back from Lake Placid, rented the van, uh, went to Gananoque, picked up the magazines and started delivery. That was, that was sort of that span of a, a, you know, a week that went by. And the funny part about that delivery was I had no idea how much, you know, 15,000 magazines weighed. Like I had no, you, you found out very quickly. Yeah, we found it. <laughs> we found out 
And this may be just the first of many delivery stories, but uh, um, that very, it wasn't the first delivery that we'd done, but the first issue, I had a cargo van and, and it was fine. Like, I didn't really think about it that much. It was just because that was what was available. This, when we delivered the July issue, for, for some reason, um, we got a, a safari van, um, like a... Uh, just a regular beast. passenger van and uh and it backed in loaded fifteen thousand magazines in the back of this thing and god didn't did the back end of the the bumper not end up about three inches off the ground and we started delivery and the front end of the van was bouncing up and down this like and we drove all the way back to the uh to the apartment dropped a couple of bundles on the way unloaded the entire van into the foyer of the apartment and um and they were nice enough to let us leave them there. And that's that, gentlemen, is how the Cloverleaf delivery system was born. <laughs> we had no choice. We had to do the delivery in, in, in loops, coming back and picking up. So there, that's the, 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 well, I won't say modern day because the modern day is, uh, is digital. It's a lot easier to deliver these things. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, the, that first, first delivery. rider to What's that? You were, you were low ride. Oh, I was low rider. I was like one of those, uh, you know, hydraulic systems without the hydraulics in it there. And, you know, that was that first year of deliveries was just, uh, it was so interesting. Trish was joking with me the other day about how my left arm and her right arm were tanned. Yeah. <laughs> they're, you know, driving around four days, four days. It took us to finish delivering magazines throughout the entire region because we didn't do any by courier back then. And there was no digital. So, uh, you know, and then we, we climbed to the end of the year and, and you know, it was a, it was exciting to do it. There was lots of neat little things that had happened. Um, but I finished the year and I said, you know, I've recycled more magazines than we've actually given out to people, you know, and I was, you know, we get back to how discouraged at the beginning everything was. And then, you know, to be where we are now, and I'm discouraged again, because it's like, you know, was this really a good idea? You know, did it work? And Trish and I happened to be pulling in the parking lot at the Bayshore Mall in the fall. And we were walking down the parking lot to come into the mall. And lo and behold, sitting on the dash of somebody's window of their car was um, a copy of Flagstick opened up to an article. And as soon as I saw that, I turned to Trish and I said, you know what? That's why we're doing this. That's exactly why we're doing this. And, um, you know, we decided to go another year and, 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 you know, here we are, uh, you know, 25 years later, but, um, we made it through, <clears throat> made it through 1996. My salary, the first year they paid myself was an Esquire golf watch. Awesome. <laughs> Which by the way, I still have, I don't wear it, but I do still have it. Um, so we made it through 1996 and, and now we're, now we're trucking. All right. But there's more stories to tell. So guys sit with me. We've only started to scratch the surface of where all this is going, but sit with me and we're going to, we're just going to take a quick break, everybody. And when we jump back in, we're going to dig into some of these stories and some of our favorites uh, over the last 25 years. I, I know you're not going to want to miss any of this. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. Why do we say things like, Well, not gonna beat that one today. Or worse. There's the one shot that'll keep you coming back. Why can't it be more like five or ten or even fifty shots that keep you coming back? 
That's why we made the all-new Sim 2. With the cat-back design, they're built differently to help give you more forgiveness and more distance more often. So if someone says the key to golf is... Lowering your expectations. Just say... Nah, it's actually playing better irons. The all-new Sim 2 irons from TaylorMade. That's a good point. All right, we're back. That was a, that was a great first segment. You know, we've gotten through 1996, and uh, <laughs> I think I... I think... <laughs> I think I breathed as easy getting through that little segment as I did getting through the actual first year of 1996. Well, I was kind of laughing actually when you you talked about the uh, you know seeing the magazine being open, and I think that was a sort of the same thing for me one time was running into it. Now it's going to be weird and it'll be a funny story or whatever, but I can remember I think it was the it might have been the Renfrew Golf Club uh or or emerald sorry it was emerald links and i remember okay. walking in and going down to the washroom i was doing delivery or whatever and i walked in and you know went to the bathroom stall or whatever and looked and there was a copy of the magazine on the back of the toilet and i thought you know what that's a compliment <laughs> you know as funny <laughs> as it is yeah. um i i just thought okay you know what that that shows you we're at where we're at where somebody obviously takes the priority that they want to read the magazine they're going to take it to the washroom and, and read it or whatever i'm like eh, it's kind of creepy but you know in the other ways it, it, it's good so it sort of it was kind of a funny sign so just just to play on that story that you said from the bayshore yeah you that's know, you know through the years uh, one commonality in every pro shop was our uh, directory yeah. behind the counter. Everybody pinned it up because all of the phone numbers and uh, information was right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before, before, you know, the internet was super common, obviously everybody used to have phone books, but you know, we created a directory with the golf courses. So you're right. We'd go into shops and, you know, you'd go over to their handicapped computer and they'd have those pages pulled out. And then people knew to, if they wanted to phone a golf course, that's how they could get the phone number or information about the courses. It's funny, even when we had, even with the, the introduction of the internet, how, how popular that directory still remained. Um, you know, long past the ability to go online. Heck, you could go on our website and look up all the information directly from the from the directory. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a searchable map there, for goodness sake. But we, and we weren't the only website that had that kind of stuff. But people still seem to, you know, somehow gravitate towards that printed spread. Which, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, Joe, do you do you remember um, in the first year? Do you recall any any kind of little tidbits or stories from your travels as you know at that time you were the tournament director for the OBJ so you were around a lot a lot as much then as you are now nothing but favorable news there were people that were collecting Larry Dufour the old uh, junior chairman who replaced me as the president of the OBGA still has every copy of every flagstick he collected them going around to the clubs uh, you know, they knew that I knew you says, well, we need to get some story, uh, some information into the magazine. And as, as then, as now, anything that comes to us, we're going to get it out. Uh, look at uh, look at the 62 at Mississippi yesterday to bring us up on current. Scotty, yeah. take her from there. That's uh Oh, it was just kind of funny because, you know, you notice online now, obviously with the prevalence of social media, but we're in contact with so many players and people. And it just so happened that Ellis Kinnaird, who, you know, was playing out of Mississippi posted, uh, you know, they had shot 62 yesterday. And uh, obviously I spotted it right away, had a chat with him, 
you know, posted a tweet. And then the funny part was, was then this morning we get a, an email from yeah, one of the golf professionals saying, Hey, uh, Ellis Canary shot 62 yesterday. If you're interested in a picture of the scorecard. And I was like, you know, you're not trying to be dismissive because obviously you appreciate information coming in, but it's like, yeah, I tweeted that actually yesterday and I already talked to him and, you know, just because of the pace of the news now and, and the new cycle of getting things out is different than it used to be. But, you know, those are things that are interesting to us. And, you know, it's amazing how many people were interested across the country. It wasn't just people that are in Ottawa. They just thought it was interesting that here's a player that, won the U17 provincial championship in Ontario two years ago, you know, shoots 62 with 10 birdies and Eagle and two bogeys on his card. But um, you know, it, it's, those are the fun little tidbits that I think get ignored. Um, and it, you know, it's nothing against uh, national media. Um, they have a certain responsibility and they have a directive of what they're trying to do and cover. And, you know, they might be more interested in a 62 shot by a you know, Corey Connors or something like that. But, you know, those stories, the important parts, and, and that's really the basis for the, the magazine as it's been for 25 years. Well, it's, it's, it's the, it's the premise for our existence. I mean, that's, that, that was why, you know, going back to the original Ontario golf news that was uh, published, uh, you know, back in the day by Ken, uh, Ken, McKenzie. Ken McKenzie. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the footprint that I used, the model that I used to create Flagstick. Because Ontario Golf News, like a lot of things in Ontario, you know, is primarily GTA, um, you know, based. Uh, and there wasn't anything for Eastern Ontario that was similar to that. So that's why it was sort of, but it was that model, that footprint that was used to create. It was always all about, um, you know, the, the golf, the golfers, the golf courses, you know, all of the other stuff. I think later on, we always said that, that we're, we're a regional magazine with a, with a, um, a national, um, look and feel really. to it. Like, it's yeah. just like, we have the instruction articles, we have the travel, we have the product information, we have, you know, all, we have all of this stuff that you would find in golf digest and golf magazine and score magazine stuff. But then on top of that, we had pages and pages of results. We had pages and pages of news, you know, times have changed, but back in the day, you know, I can remember, um, you know, publishing um, a hundred and a hundred page, a hundred and five page magazines, yeah. you know, regularly 96 page magazines like that. Those are massive magazines. Um, now, times change, printing costs uh, escalate and you're forced to, you know, to make things smaller. And that yeah. means the stuff has to go. So that's, you know, why the magazine got smaller that and, and, you know, advertising changed as well. And, you know, but it's, um, yeah, those, those early days and, and, uh, and covering those types of stories. And I mean, Joe, when was it that, I mean, there was, a, I, I recall conversation that you and I had when you were still working for the OBJ and you had said, when you retire, like you, like you, you made a point of telling me that when you retired, you wanted to come and write articles. Like you wanted to, do you remember when that was, you know, my memory, see, this is where that memory thing kicks in. <laughs> I have no freaking clue. Cause you've been involved for so long. I don't even really remember when it was that you, it's all just a big blur. Oh my right God. Now, it, anyway. it is. But yeah. that's, that's why I want to do this. Like, do you remember when that was? Well, don't forget all of, all the way along. I accompanied you on deliveries. And yes. 
in the blue van that had the automatic uh, windshield wipers. Never oh my knew, gosh, the blue van. Never knew when they were going to come out. No, we had no clue. And <laughs> then while I was with the OVGA, I wrote a one-page column up until the time that I uh, retired uh, from an official capacity with the OVGA. And then a few years later, 2001, when I retired uh, from the uh, Ottawa Carleton Health Department, uh, I came on board with you. And at the same time, I uh, went to run the corporate tournaments at the marshes for Tony Dunn. And I recall at the end of that year, I had lost 20 pounds. And I said, what the heck am I doing? This is ridiculous. But I told people that uh, when I agreed to write for you, in 2001, we had a small earth tremor along the Ottawa River. And we found out later that was my English teachers rolling over in their graves. <laughs> As your editor, I, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any problem with any of it. It just no. goes, to show you, it goes to show you where my uh, writing mm. skills were at that time. But, you know, that's it. Like, honestly, Scott... Yeah. This this many years later, Joe has um, you know has evolved. He's progressed nicely. My gosh, I mean, to, to where Joe was and to where Joe. I mean, Joe tweets. For I was forty seven years old when I started. I'm seventy two now. Boys. I, I know. I mean, well, that, that's you know, we were talking about that yesterday, Joe, and and <laughs> it's amazing that you know we've. A lot grown of our, we've grown yeah, up with yeah, this. With I this was magazine. 25 when I started this. Yeah. 25. Yeah. I had a mullet. <laughs> I had a mullet when I started the magazine. Like it's um yeah, and I was a lot smaller too. Um but you know it's it's um that evolution. I mean Joe's Joe's a, um you know developed into a very like an exceptional writer and um and a historian. And we talked about that Joe too is that your your passion for history which is um which is indicative of of um you know this article in in this issue where it's a compilation of so many little bits of history some compiled by scott in the previous article and over the years and and yourself and um and some other research but you know you have a passion for history and uh i think that that passion has been uh, I think it was always there. I think it just um, it just kind of evolved and developed over the years of of doing what you're doing with Flagstick. Well, so much so, like we were talking about that. Uh, I kind of think that uh, both Flagstick, uh, you, you and Scott, and myself, we're leaving a legacy for future generations. All of this stuff that's going to be online, all of these stories. How many personal profiles? I think the last time I counted, there were over 215 personal profiles. And we've pretty much run, done a story on the majority of golf courses in Eastern Ontario, Western Quebec. Mm -hmm. And those stories are research material for people that follow us. Yeah, and, and, and you, you, I think you're bang on with that, Joe. I mean, I think one of the secrets always for the publication was the fact that we're in an area that's very rich in history and you know it was just fortunate recently with the 50th anniversary of the canadian golf hall of fame uh coming up to do a little bit of a vignette 
on the history of golf in Canada and about the founding of golf Canada. And obviously that happened in our region and the founding of the PGA of Canada happened in our region. So the cool part is, is that we have such a rich history. I think that's been the fuel uh, for the publication, it would be a lot harder to do it in an area where there wasn't that history of golf. Um, and, you know, it, it's been a point of pride, I think, for all of us to make sure that we, you know, we expound on that. It's not just about what happens today. It's what's happened in the past as well. And, you know, the effort to blend that all in there and to make sure that we recognize, you know, so many people and so many talents and founders of the golf courses and the people that have shaped the game in the region I think that's those are important stories for the golfers of the region and just the people in the region. Um, and it's it's been good to have that as part of it, for sure. Well, I remembered uh, Jeff after uh, after the McKellar Park uh, story came out, Jeff yeah. had said to me, so how long have you been working on that story? I said, three years. And it yeah. all it all happened that I happened to read somewhere on a website, I think it was Pineview's website, that uh, uh, some some gardeners in the McKellar Park area had found some golf balls while they were digging their gardens. And uh, says, "What the heck's that all about?" So I did some research. Uh, funny story. I, I ran into Judge uh, Frank. Uh, oh, what's the question? Dunlop uh, at the Schmuckers Club on Wellington Street and I went up to talk to these old timers and they said uh, Jake said well I know all about the uh, McKellar Bar Golf Club and when you do the story I want 25 copies and I said what for is this because people laugh at me when I tell them there was a, a golf an 18 hole golf course in the McKellar Park area yeah so sure. just to have that history and then the city of Ottawa asked for 10 copies for their archives. So stuff like that, that really makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. And, and, and Fort Henry too, eh, Scott, like there, there's yeah. another, nobody, nobody, most people have no idea that there was a golf course um, on that property before, like before all the other golf courses were built, that there was a golf course on that property. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the original Kingston uh, golf club, you know, on the Berryfield commons, uh, which works its way just on the uh, east side of Kingston. And the fact that, you know, that was one of the original golf courses that was part of that proclamation for the founding of the Canadian golf association. So again, that's, that lends into itself. And the, mm -hmm. and the first winner of the Canadian men's amateur came from, came from Kingston. And, and, you know, it, we've just been, uh, um, like I said, we've, we've been sort of a cradle for golf in the, in the country. And it's been nice to pull those threads. And because Joe has that passion as well, we, we end up in funny conversations all the time where we, we just all of a sudden start talking about a certain thing. And, you know, I spotted this and Hey, maybe we can find out more about that. And then we end up with, you know, a lot of conversations going, Oh, well, we didn't know about that or this golf course, what happened to that? And, you know, those stories wouldn't be uncovered if we didn't take the time to look at it, they would be lost to time. And um, that's the unfortunate part is that, you know, if they do get lost to the time, they're, they're gone. And as each year passes, if nobody explores that, then they'll never be explored again. Well, it's interesting that, you know, when we, when we published this, this um, hundred years of century of, of organized golf within the region and, and, you know, it didn't really, it didn't really resonate with me as much at the time, but 
it's a hundred years of organized golf in the region. And, and we have been a part of that hundred years for a quarter of that hundred years, like 25 yeah. years of that hundred years. We've, we've been a part of that, um, you know, covering it, uh, talking about it, writing about it. Uh, we're right in the thick of it. We've been in the thick of it for 25 years. Um, you know, I don't know how many more years it's going to be, but um, you know, it's just interesting to, to, it's interesting and it's exciting to have to be in that position you know all this time so yeah i think it's i think it's a it's a privilege and people have to understand that you know it's never been about us it's been about sharing those stories of everyone else and you know their love of the game and again how golf has shaped uh, everything sort of in the region so you know it's just a privilege to kind of be part of it and to be able to do that and you know obviously for you to be able to make a business out of it well i mean (laughs) Yes. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's funny too, because it is a business, uh, you know, and yeah. you know, we have to, you have to bring in revenue to keep making it happen, but you know, we've had a lot of great support over the years too. Um, and you know, it's, a, it's always, it's been a struggle lately, but you yeah. know, to, to make things happen, but we're still here. We're still, we're still kicking. Um, now. Are two of your original sponsors not still part of the show here, Jeff? Um, well, uh, yes. Cat, well, you mean as far as advertisers? Well, I mean, I mean going back, Kevin Hayne and Mark well, Seabrook. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I would say that the 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 advertisers that we there there's the mainstays, right? I mean, uh, Metcalf was around since day one. Uh, Kevin was obviously on the back page. Kevin and I talked about this in in the episode that he was on, and we talked about the history and our history and. Um, you know, Kevin and I are good friends, uh, as you guys are also good friends with Kevin. Um, but Kevin's was on the back page of every issue that I have ever done. Um, you know, up until now with the digital, we've kind of, you know, back pages of a digital magazine are kind of not as, uh, not quite as popular as the back page of a print magazine. So they, they tend not to get seen as easily as they do in print. So we've kind of done some changing in, He's kind of like the inside title page of the digital issue now, but we, we, we count that as the back page. We'll, we'll call it that. Um, Kevin yeah. is infamous. Don't forget for turning the magazines around. So that the yep. display was <laughs> his back yep. page. The only place that the magazines are distributed where you never see the cover <laughs> or the cover is the back page. I feel like I yeah. should be paying for the back page cover. Shh, do not tell Kevin. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been, there's been a lot. Mark Seabrook, obviously uh, the conversations, you know, I'm not even going to get into the details of the conversation that Mark and I had in the in, initially when I was trying to get the magazine going, but um, you know, Mark, Mark was one of those guys from a business perspective and Gib Patterson was another one uh, initially, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't mind saying they're both very intimidating guys um, as a young 25 year old whippersnapper, you know, thinking I got the greatest things in sliced bread business here. You got to jump on board. And they made it perfectly clear from day one of that meeting that uh, that that I had something that they uh, wanted, but that they had something that I needed more. And that it was um, that I needed to sell it to them. I needed to to I needed to earn that advertising dollar from them, and I also needed to earn respect. And um, you know, at the time, I would say I was probably more angry that uh, that they didn't just buy ads, um, and that they they made me work so hard for it. 
But 25 years later, I can look back on that and say, you know what? If somebody approached me the same way now, I would handle them the same way that Mark and Gib handled me back then is no, you know, that's a great idea and everything, but you, you earn it. You're, you're, new, you're new here, earn it. Show us what, show us what this is going to be like, you know, figure out how to get us involved, you know, be a business person. This is a business you're running. It's, it's not, it's not a charity. Um, and I look back and I respect that now that I, I had to work hard and very hard to get, uh, to get Gibb and, and uh, Patterson and, and Mark Seabrook to, to advertise. And, but once I earned that respect and got them, I've had them as, as marketing partners of this magazine since, and I have their, you know, I have their respect. Um, so, you know, what was, what was very discouraging uh, became something that was a great friendship, a great business partnership, a great relationship overall with, with both of them and with, with others along the way too. So, yeah, I think that resilience has been really important. I mean, that's been sort of the trademark with the publication all the way through, whether it was, you know, print, digital, whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I know just the last few days when posted the, you know, the 25th anniversary issue, the number of people that just remarked the fact that, um, you know, we persevered and as a result of it, we earned their respect and we were able to adapt and, and work our way through. And, um, you know, I think it's just a good sign of, of being, having people that are dedicated to the game. And, you know, I can say, obviously, you know, we've all been involved with uh, golf associations. We've all sat on boards. We've all volunteered. We've all done those things. And it's, but we've all done it because we care about the game. And that's been the thread that has made it important. You, you know, we talk about it obviously being a business and, you know, you have to do certain things to be able to make a living. But on the other side of it, it's not just about that. It, it's more about the game and us fostering the game. Yeah. Now, guys, listen, I want to get into, um, we might have to take another break. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Sorry, guys. We, we, this, this, is, uh, this is some really good stuff. But um, before we get to that, um, I just want to talk about, let, let, you know, before we get to that, let's, let's get to this. Um, your favorite cover hmm. in 25 years. Um, who wants to go first? Favorite cover? I'll go. Okay, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, th I think the, uh, I mean, that's a hard one because obviously, you know, a couple hundred publications, you're digging through and, and doing things. And for me, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate to do a bunch of the photography and stuff over the years. And, uh, but it's not one of mine. It, it, not one of the ones that I shot for sure. I think my favorite one was just one because it was funny. It was we did a story uh, called I think it was Backyard Paradise. Uh, it was called. It was basically talked about you know golf. You're gonna have a copy of it right there, aren't you? So basically, you know, it was about people building their own golf facilities at their homes and talking about that concept of people putting in putting greens and so forth. And you were doing one at the time at, at uh, you know your older your old house and lo and behold you ended up with this cover photo where it's you on your lawn tractor with the straw hat that's the one right there i just thought that one yeah that's one of my favorites that along with uh the one when we did the profile on tony harris the artist tony harris who's a good friend of ours who uh yeah you've got that one too uh yeah sitting down doing on the golf bag with his art in the background um you know obviously a great guy and really showed off his love of uh golf but also his talents as an uh as a painter as well so those are my two favorites so the next one 
No. <laughs> I've enjoyed I've enjoyed all the couples. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. That's a cop out. All right. Well, the compilation ones, uh, like the, the covers you put together where you amalgamate all the photographs and uh, there's been a number of those that uh, the historical ones. Yeah. That's my game. And those are the ones I kind of like. Uh, the yeah. latest one is just fantastic it uh, tells the story without even reading the story it's yes uh, it's it's there it's uh, but again i always look forward to what you're going to come up with and uh i, I do too <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they were yeah and they, they were always funny because i mean people wonder how we come up with them or would you come up with them more than anything but you know lots of conversations talk and it's like hey is that a good idea yeah, maybe not. Or, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And obviously, we've had some people involved and, <clears throat> you know, even your own brother, <laughs> that maybe sometimes we looked at some designs and went, what the heck is that? And do we well, really want that on the cover? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not, uh, I, di I didn't pull that issue, uh, the protect yourself issue. Yes. Um, Sean and I, my brother, Sean, uh, was with us for for a number of years and, and kind of, um, he kind of evolved the cover design. the 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 uh, the Tony Harris cover was was one of his. Uh, yeah. The Backyard Paradise was one of his. Um, there's been lots of them. One of my one of my favorites. It's not a flagstick issue. Was was a copy of Flagstick for Women that we did. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I really like this one. It was kind of creative and neat uh, with the with the wine bottles. It was wine and nine or nine and wine. Um, and uh, and that was another one of his. Uh, you know, Sean kind of at his point in there kind of evolved the design side of the magazine, um, you know, to a point where uh, we were creatively on the, on the same level as, you know, as, as the big boys when it came to golf or when it came to magazines and publications, because that was his thing. He's yeah. a designer and he's very creative. And there was one cover uh, that was just, and I don't, I didn't pull it because I don't, I don't want to, I'm not throwing Sean under the bus. Sorry, Sean. We no, are talking and he, about know, it, he knows, we he knows about it because we've years, talked yeah. about <laughs> this cover and it just, the concept was like, yes, that's a great, because that's why we went ahead with it. It was like, yes, the concept is awesome. I just, and he'll admit it. It just didn't come. It just didn't pull off the way he initially wanted to pull it off. And, um, and it, it didn't, it didn't come across the way he wanted it to. So another one of my cool favorites is another, actually another one of his, and from a creative standpoint is this one, um, zip it and ship it. Um, just, you know, some of those photo shoot ones that we did, yeah. uh, where, you know, this one was actually, you think that this is a bunch of golf clubs that, um, that are Photoshopped into place. That's not, that's a photo shoot. That's actually a, a suitcase and everything stuck in there and so it's a it's a it's a very staged photo but it was just it was an article on on um uh you know getting your clubs shipping your clubs travel travel cases and stuff like that so i just i just had a flashback of another cover so keep going and I, okay. i've got another one to talk about a photo um sheet. but yeah that was uh, that was another one of my favorites and, and again i spent sunday afternoon with uh, out in the gazebo i took a picture of those who follow me on facebook would know um but uh I posted it on Facebook of me going through 25 binders yeah. with multiple copies of the magazines, just looking at covers, trying to like, you know, which one really is my favorite? Like there's been so many, there's been some really wonky, weird ones. There's been some that just like, Oh my God, did I throw that together at the last minute covers and, and some like these ones that, uh, but yeah, go ahead, Scott. 
Yeah, I mean, we had some fun travel ones over the years, but I think some of the profile ones have been have been good as well. I just had a flashback all of a sudden of being in the in the center center ice uh, with Jeff Hunt, uh, yeah. doing the Ottawa sixty sevens owner, and doing that photo shoot in the middle of the ice, uh, yeah. you know, at the rink, and you know, just the elaborate setup for that. And yeah, there's just been all sorts of different ones over the years, and and, and really, I mean so many different photo shoots, so many different interview situations, so many different things, but, uh, you know, sometimes they were elaborate, sometimes they were simple. And obviously we had a lot of travel covers as well for, you know, travel stories and trying to be creative and picking out, and you know, you might have a thousand photos from a, from a travel trip and, and trying to figure out, you know, what looks best on a cover, but, uh, always interesting. That's for sure. <laughs> and like you said, it's sort of like trying to pick a favorite kid. You're trying to go through and go, I don't know. I love that one. I like that for certain reasons. And for a lot of people, they might look at it and go, why would that be your favorite? Um, but it, you know, it just has a lot of different reasons for, for different things. Yeah, exactly. I guess, I guess along the same veins, uh, the cover with the hickory sticks, uh, that you took at, uh, at the Ottawa hunt clubs got, uh, to me, that's, uh, that's one that I've enjoyed also. Nice. Yeah. I remember that one as well. So I forgot, I, again, it was one I forgot about. The other one was uh, Dave Khalil. I mean, you talked yeah. about that on your podcast with Dave, but I can remember doing the setup for that out on the practice screen at the Ottawa Hunting Golf Club with his piano, uh, his keyboard out on the putting green and doing this photo shoot and all these people going by going, what the heck is going on over there? And, and you know what they said? Oh, it's just Dave. Yeah, it's just Dave or whatever. I mean, we might not have gotten away with it with a lot of, a lot of other places, but uh, again, fun to do. Probably a lot of work at the time to get the lighting properly and to get the right shot. And uh, but in the end, hey, we pulled it off and and managed to do it. And you know, can look back now and have a laugh about it. Now, on the before we move on from that, on the topic of covers, because um, yeah, there is the three of us sitting here having this conversation uh, unfortunately i'd like it if there was a fourth uh window open uh but unfortunately she's she has she has a job and she has to work but uh my wife uh, patricia's obviously been the other person that's been involved in this uh since day one um you know before before magazine even before conception of magazine um he's and, the one's uh, tolerated it all yeah yeah she's <laughs> but she was you know initially you know she was involved in in all aspects of it uh, on top of you know working is she was proofreading i mean look at I, I don't have it here the way the magazine used to be produced is is you know produced in you know in a computer i used, used to use aldous page maker before it was adobe and uh and we produced the magazine and then printed every page out. I produced all the ads in Corel Draw, version three, and uh, and printed all those ads out. And then I took everything, all these laser printed. I paid fifteen hundred dollars for an HP five P laser printer uh, uh. with the toner, just black and white, so that I could print laser printed six hundred DPI black and white pages and i would take all these pages and as i printed them out i put them in a binder in the plastic sleeves the binders and then when i was done putting the magazine together in the binder so that you could actually read the magazine in the binder with these pages i would give the binder to trish and uh, my wife and she would sit down and she with a pen 
she'd pull out each page and she would proofread it and she'd mark it up. And now, obviously, the way we do this now is I send Scott the, the Adobe InDesign file directly completed and Scott edits the document in the document itself and sends it back to me already edited. And then I just put well, it's in a the lot, ads. It's and, a long way from you going down to the printer and get an Aquay and <laughs> looking at the blues and having to cut in ads. The blues! And, yeah. And they, you know, they, they'd shoot. I mean, again, we could go down a million roads and we sound like, you know, 110 year old uh, people here or whatever, but um, yeah, it was just a lot more labor intensive in yes. the way we had to do things. And, you know, that's just the way publications were at the time. Yep, and that was the exactly. technology that was available. So yeah, we, we just progressed. That's really what it comes down to. Now she mentioned to me that she had her um, not so much favorite covers, but memorable covers for her. One of her most memorable covers was uh, um, the cover. We did a putting feature and uh, on the cover, was uh, was a flagstick ball uh, going into the hole, and uh, and she was the one holding the putter, making the putt. But the putt, the I had toothpicks underneath the ball. It was over at the meadows on the putting green. I had toothpicks underneath the ball, holding the ball in position with the flagstick logo facing up, and her holding the putter. And she was with me when we did that photo shoot. So that was one of her more memorable ones. And the other one was Sean did a a cover where he lit something on fire. And, oh yeah, uh, that's right. That sticks in her brain because it just freaked her right out that she was out in the backyard of our house lighting a golf club on fire and trying to get these flames to shoot off from the. Um, anyway, it was a uh, so those are a couple of things that you know you know memorable things with respect to covers that uh, uh, that stuck with her. Yeah. All right, guys, look, we're we're still we're still so much so much to talk about and i want to get to i want to get to road trips and pga shows uh because those are kind of important and uh uh, but we need to take another quick break here because we're we're uh we're trucking through time here Uh, i want to take another quick break when we come back we're going to talk about uh first road trips how many road trips different Mm. stories from road trips because there are and and we'll even let our guard down on one of these road trips and and talk about it and scott knows which one i'm talking about so Uh (laughs) stay stay with us uh and uh we're gonna we're gonna come right back stay with me guys all right let's see who goes first i'll go ready golf right hey ladies first mikey you have the on introducing sim 2 It's built differently around a forged aluminum ring for the drives everyone wants to hit and no one wants to follow. Who's next? First we changed the shape, now we're changing the construction. Sim 2 from TaylorMade. All right, we're back once again, and I feel like we're only scratching the surface of of, uh, some of the stories from the last 25 years, but here's one of the things I want to get into, and... Uh, over the years, um, I think we've become a little bit known um, for some of our travel stories. Um, some of the travel articles we write, truth be known, everybody would, would, would understand. We don't go on all of them. We don't visit all the destinations that we've ever written travel stories on. Sometimes we have people write them for us. Uh, a lot of times it's just a lot of research and, and uh, conversations with different travel destinations to get information to help us write those articles. But at the same time, a good chunk of the travel stories that we've done are 
from FAM trips, yep. uh, which are familiarization trips for those that don't know that term, uh, where the travel destination will, will invite us to participate with a group and, um, and we'll go um, on a trip with that group and spend time with a bunch of other people touring facilities and golf courses. Um, some of them are um, road trip, uh, which uh, uh, which we'll we'll get into that uh, as well. Road trip is uh, is more of something that Scott and I started doing, um, uh, and uh, and became more of a journal style, uh, mm. diary style, journal style uh, uh, travel feature. Um, but familiarization trips, uh, Joe. You and I were talking yesterday about this, and and you gave me, you told me something, and I, I honest to goodness, I just about fell over. I was floored by what you told me about uh, about fam trips that that you've done. Yeah, I've basically been on thirty one fam trips. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you see? This? <laughs> wow! Did you see Scott's reaction to that joke? <laughs> that, that was be- that was like my reaction. I just about. I just about <laughs> fell over. <laughs> all, all I could think of in my mind was like, I'm guilty. Because <laughs> <of, of, of laughs> you would have wanted to send them on them, not me. Well, I, I can remember one in particular where Joe went to Mexico and he can probably <laughs> look at his face now. Where, all right, where, Joe, let's hear it. <laughs> where I talked to the agency and then, oh, that sounds good, but it's a really short trip to Mexico. And, you know, you might be in the air for a little bit longer or you might be traveling a little bit longer, but Joe, Joe can give the details. And certainly, uh, let's just say, even though it sounds great that you're going to Mexico, eh, sometimes travel for work is not so sexy. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, I think I was in the air longer than I was on the ground. Exactly. And when I got to the resort, uh, I was a little taken back that there was a, two guys with a machine gun uh, hanging out at the closed gate of the resort. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, just just stuff that is part of what happens, uh, <laughs> I guess, there. But I guess, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, with Kiowa, just being in the news the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, when Phil's success down there, uh, I was telling a few people that uh, that was the, uh, the one road trip that I went on yep. with you two. And for some reason, I took along only my hickory clubs. And I played Kiowa with hickory clubs. Yeah, yeah. in about 36 degree weather. Because <laughs> <laughs> it had been nice the, most of the week in Charleston, which Charleston is a lovely location. Not that day. <laughs> Not that day. Unfortunately, the temperatures plummeted and we had to, although, you know, obviously, again, it sounds lovely. We played the ocean course at Kiowa and then Harbor Town, uh, the links, you know, back to back days. We also did it with about every piece of clothing we own on uh, to make that happen. So, yeah. So sometimes, again, you know, you don't have a choice when you go on those trips. Uh, you don't have a choice to sit back and oh, I'll just stay in my room. You, you go and do it and you participate, whatever that, you know, amounts to. Um, but yeah, that was a great trip with uh, with Joe along for Charleston, even though it ended <laughs> with a, uh, a couple of really cool days. So. Yeah, no, no question about that. I mean, Joe, any of those, um, aside from that one, um, you know, from yourself, uh, familiarization trips that you've done, because I mean, good Lord, if you've done 31, 31 uh, uh, familiarization trips, any, any of them stand out in your mind from, 
more of a positive. I mean, I'm not saying that the Mexico one was entirely negative, but I mean, let's be honest that, I mean, you're, you're not putting that one in the memory banks because you, because it was awesome. No, but they've all, they've all been positive. There's, there's no negative about it. It's, uh, it's me getting to places that I normally wouldn't have the opportunity to get to. Uh, I mean, my first one was uh, uh, a quick trip through Quebec. Oh, it, oh was, yeah. mem it was memorable with two vehicles uh, from the tourist people driving us around and a flat tire coming down from Mont Tremblant. Yeah, that's just this. I think we, we titled that one a whirlwind tour of Quebec. Yeah. But all of the places I've been to have been phenomenal. And people don't realize the, the different types of clubs uh, and resorts and destinations that are out there. Uh, there's some great stuff. And yeah, just I had the opportunity. It's all positive. It's, uh, uh, I, I, I guess the only negative part would be flying to the States, I pretty much had to be at the airport at 4.30 in the morning to uh, to catch the 7 or 6.30 flight because that's when they went out so we could make all the other connections. So it's, it's been fun. Those have been fun, but uh, I don't miss them right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, didn't Scott tell you, Joe? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I don't I mean, think we're I, doing too many familiarization no. trips uh, flying anywhere in particular right now, but it'll, it'll be nice when that, uh, yeah. when that opportunity comes up again and we can get back to doing some of those things the way we used to. But um, Road Trip was born um, in, I believe, I want to say it, we did the story on Michigan, which was the first road trip. I believe yeah. the story was published in 2001. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. I think we, officially, we, when do you, you officially started? January, officially. Two, January 2000 was, I came on full time, but right. uh, you know, we had, we had done some different, you know, trips and things. Cause you'd come to the PGA show yes. with Jeff and I, or whatever, or Jeff and I, Jim and I, and uh, you know, we'd do some travel stuff related to that, that we might use for the publication as well. Right. So the very first actual, the very first unofficial road trip, in not entitled kind of like saying the first first equipment guide was 1998 but the first yeah. that was a buyer's guide yeah it was still an equipment guide the first official equipment guide was 1999 but the first trip that we did uh as you know as as uh flagstick was um myrtle beach um, mm -hmm. and that was when we we visited it was supposed to be a an article about the a, a different side of myrtle beach where we was not so much a grand strand kind of thing. It was Caledonia, True Blue, Litchfield Plantation. Um, Jim, who your partner at Golfer's Choice, uh, was with us on that one, I believe, uh, because that was before you actually started uh, with the magazine. You still had the store. And I think Jim got strep throat. Oh, yeah. On, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His partner, Jim. Sorry, Jim, if you're listening, but this is coming up. He, he had an earache like you would not believe, like it was throbbing and uh, driving back from this trip through Pennsylvania, yeah, uh, through the mountains of Pennsylvania. Of course, you're at elevation there. So if you've got any kind of issues going on with your ear and we had no idea what was wrong with him. He was just like he was popping fishermen's friends and whatever. <laughs> like it was yeah. 
and uh, it turned out that he had strep throat and that it was uh, it was near. You Wasn't know. the first or last road trip that involved strep throat? No, I don't know if you. Oh yes, being yep. in Scotland, but yep. yeah, I mean we can we can get, while while we're there we got a little segue, but yeah, you and I obviously went to Scotland in 2010, which yep. uh, was a great trip and all, but uh, unfortunately it was November. It was cold and uh, I had strep throat. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't feeling great towards the end of and international travel. Uh, when you got strep throat, wasn't, wasn't the best, but uh, obviously persevered. But, you know, again, you know, we did so many of these trips where different things would happen and you, you just, you rolled with the punches. That's, that's all you did. Well, especially on, on that one. I mean, I don't, I knew you weren't feeling well on that trip, but we didn't, I don't think we knew you had strep throat. Till you no, not until I get back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I never got strep throat from that trip. So apparently we stayed far enough away from each other. Yeah. Um, so getting back to the, uh, um, the first road trip yeah. um, was uh, we went to Michigan and I, I remember that one was the, um, we took the station wagon, the, uh, the old station wagon. We had it loaded right to the ceiling inside. We had gone to the OVGA uh, president's day at Laramac. Um, and we left right from Laramac to go, you know, just a yeah, it was first the end, official... end of September. I think it was like September 24th yeah. or whatever. And we were going to be gone for a week, I guess it was. Yeah. And, and we drove and, um, well, you know, every trip has its, uh, its interesting components. Um, and, um, the trip itself was great. Once we, got, uh, you know, once, we, golf, once we got there once we got there uh thank god we did get there uh for some reason we either didn't fill up enough didn't pay attention or whatever um we're looking at the gas gauge and i don't know what time it was at night it was late and we're driving down highway seven Yep. Um, and we hadn't even hit peterborough yet and the light on the gas gauge comes on and at that point, we figured, well, we're going to find out just how far you can go running on empty because every gas station we drove by at that time of the night was closed. Yeah. Um, it was touch and go for a while. We might have ended up on the side of the road somewhere between Ottawa or some, somewhere between uh, uh, Perth and Peterborough. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it ended up being a fun, a fun time. Obviously, like you said, we got to... Uh, we got to Michigan. We ended that trip in playing in snow the last day. Yep. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, yep. you know, we just thought it was funny. Here we are at the end of September. It's kind of risky or whatever, but you know, it was fun. It was sort of our, uh, what it became was sort of our sort of year end get together, play some golf because everything would happen. You know, we'd be so busy during the year that we wouldn't see each other that much. Mm-hmm. And we, we could enjoy that time and, and, and doing those trips and doing them for, you know, multiple decades, obviously. Um, and then eventually to have Joe along, we had your brother along in another one, <laughs> we had our friend, Tony Harris along, we've you know, we had, mul- had our friend, Mike came yeah. with us. Uh, you know, he came to Mississippi for, yeah. uh, for a trip there. Um, you know, we've done multiple ones that way. And I, I'm, I'm sort of boggled right now at the fact that Joe said 31 fan trips. Now I'm, I'm going to have to do the math for myself because, you know, it's not just those fam trips, it's equipment trips and, you know, a burst to California for 24 hours and flying yeah. back. There hasn't been as many of those lately, but I, no, I, I remember no. that there was a lot of those product launches that yeah. you'd, you'd be gone off to somewhere for just a few days with yeah. the, 
you know why does he have to go to vegas 10 times <laughs> what happened in vegas i think, I think he's been to vegas uh other than the one i think well <laughs> see, there's, a, there's another story altogether there um yeah. it's been it's been what twi twice that you've gone to vegas for the the amateur oh for the writer's cup yeah the writer's cup uh, i think i did three or four of those actually yeah yeah, I, I think what was funny was, uh, you know, I was looking back at some photos the other day and I forget what year it was, probably probably 16 or 17 or whatever. And I can remember I was just laughing, going, how many places was was I, you know, did I travel to in the short period of time? And I think it was the year we went down to uh, played Cabot. And I can remember having three bags packed because I didn't really have time in between for the trip. So basically we did one trip came back i grabbed a bag went on another trip came back home grabbed another bag and i like pre-packed and was ready to go just because i knew how quick it was going to be but um you know again you know we're still putting out the magazines and doing stuff and i i don't i don't uh i don't regret taking those opportunities to go on those trips but yeah sometimes it was a little bit stressful as far as the travel that's for ever sure. lose your passports Scott? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, uh, give me give me credit. I only lost one passport over the years. And it just so happened that Jeff and I were going to PEI. And I think I was more excited because my family is from PEI. That's where my parents live. And I think it was more being excited. Uh, to get off the, you know, the plane and to show Jeff around and, and, and whatever um, that, you know, I left my passport in the back of the uh, <clears throat> uh, seat in front of me. Um, but, you know, thankfully it was the only major incident of that kind over the years. So in probably a hundred trips, probably. You mentioned, you mentioned your trip over to uh, Scotland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just recall how amazed I am. I'm over here covering an event sending it to scott scott's putting it up on the website or in within minutes and people have no idea no no okay. well i mean on that same trip yeah. I mean, jeff, jeff will remember this vividly um you know we were in the old course hotel uh doing a radio hit with kevin haim on his show literally right next to the road hole on, on 17. And I've told the story many times of a golf ball hitting the roof and landing there and you could hear the sound and, and Kevin's back in the studio in Ottawa going, what, what, what's going on up there or whatever. And we're like, yeah. well, you know, we're at the road hole and the ball hitting the roof. And yeah, there's just lots of different things over the years. And, you know, you did what you had to do on some of those trips, whether it was you know, I was in Ireland dead sick again on a, on a trip at two o'clock in the morning, recording a podcast back here where I had no voice. Um, you know, there's been other times where you're just trying to put out a story. And I can remember waking up at four o'clock in the morning in, in, in Scottsdale when we were on a, a trip there and knowing the time was ahead and trying to get some things up to the website and whatever. And I mean, that's just part of what you do when you, you do those trips. And again, it might not always be glamorous, but it, it's just, it's just part of what you, you did to make things happen. Well, we started doing, um, I think the road trips really started to, uh, uh turn a different, uh, uh, different direction. We started working with a group out of the U S uh, oh, travel, south, travel south. Yeah. And part of the thing with them was, uh, is they wanted us to come and, and visit these destinations, but they had to be for their, for their partners, they had to be done in groups of three, I think. Yeah. Three um, at least three different States. So. Yeah. So we, we did 
trips with this group on a number of occasions um, in a number of years where, where we group trips together, where we, we were doing um, six know, dates in 11 days. Yeah, like one, it, was, it was insane. The amount of golf, the amount of travel. And yeah. the one in particular with, with that group that, that really sticks in my mind is the one that we did when we went to Georgia. Mm, um, and yeah. we did, we were in, um, we were in, we Athens. started, we, we started in, uh, we started in Pittsburgh or, or, uh, um, we were at the Ogilvy. Yeah. Ogilvy, Ogilvy, Ogilvy resort. Yeah. In, uh, in West Virginia. And, uh, we had flown into, we flew into Pittsburgh Yes, and we went yeah, down there the flight. and we came out of, <laughs> yeah. And we came out of Atlanta 11 days later, yeah. uh, played golf in three or four States. And yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> and, and the funny part with that one was, you know, when you go on a lot of these fam trips, a lot of the tourist boards will sometimes put together a little care package when you get to the hotel with some items promoting, you know, their town or their destination. And a lot of times it'll be, you know, pens or a clock or a, might be a bottle of wine or, or whatever. Well, this was 11 days on the road and every town we went to, there was something. So we were piling up stuff in our rental vehicle. <laughs> and then I can remember being in, in Pine Mountain, Georgia at the Callaway Gardens and we we're staying in the hotel room and we we're laughing because we we're like, man, the, you know, the, the people that are servicing the room here are really going to hit it big. And because yeah. we left everything behind, there were so many things that we had multiple like sets of glasses and different stuff or whatever beautiful it was nice to get those as gifts but we just couldn't take everything back with us when we flew from atlanta back home um so we just left a smorgasbord of all these items and i'm i'm sure the the uh you know the maid service that was there for the room they were probably having a good laugh when they came in the room and went whoa what's this bonanza that's in here <laughs> i remember also on that that georgia trip that was we had the the film crew when we were yes. going through yeah. uh when we were going through the georgia portion of that uh, we yeah. had the film crew following us it was a we got to <laughs> athens we were in these beautiful hotel rooms and i, I think we only spent um, 45 minutes 45 maybe? minutes to an hour actually sleeping in the hotel room because yeah you know it's a college town right or a university yeah. town so we kind of had to you know go out yeah, I mean, they had, they had we were a little younger then, too. Yeah, but, our, uh, our, our host wanted to show us the town, so they took mm -hmm. us out. They decided to basically, after we did a theater thing, and we were doing all the photo shoots, we were doing a uh, you know, the filming, you know, through dinner and all sorts of different things. Uh, the crew was able to uh, you know, turn off their cameras, at, I think, 11 o'clock at night. And then, but the problem was, we were going to be filming at breakfast the next yes. day, and for in order for them to do that you know, we had to do breakfast before everybody else was there. And they obviously had to do the setup for us. So I forget what the, the call was for the, for, uh, for the filming shoot. It was probably like five. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we probably only had about 45 minutes sleep. And I mean, that was just a trip again, because there were so many things going on. And I, I don't know if you remember Cuscawilla when we're yes. at that location, <laughs> I, I still, I still yep. remark that, you know, if I, I talk about, and I wrote an article a few years ago, and people can find it on flagstick.com about, you know, travel nightmares of things that had happened. And yep. obviously there's a lot more that can add to it, but that was the case of the facility at the time. They put us up in private housing and it was one of the members and one of their houses that was right by the golf course. And you were in the upstairs. I was in the downstairs and it just so happened that, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, you have this happen where you wake up and you do a little scratch, you do a little scratch and you think maybe something's <laughs> bugging you or whatever. And fine, that you know, it, it happens and and uh, you don't think much of it. Well, this persisted and it kept going. 
And I just thought something's weird here. And then eventually I'm like, I got to turn on the light. This is really driving me nuts. I flip on the light. I was listening. I know. And to my horror, the whole place was covered in ants. Like they were marching everywhere. There was thousands of ants or whatever. I was freaking out because I I didn't know if it was real or not. I actually like woke up and I'm like, is this a dream? And uh, yeah, so it was like, you know, jet to the shower, get all this stuff off. And yeah, it was just, it was just crazy. But it was some of the things you, you, you kind of go through and it made for an awkward dinner the next night with the CEO. Exactly. Yeah. How were your accommodations? Night. Yeah, exactly. Well, we had to move this morning because we had a little bit of an ant problem and he's thinking, oh, a few ants. And then I described the whole thing and he's like, oh boy. And uh, yeah, obviously it wasn't something that was written into the story at the time but you know i've told since then and you know it was nobody nobody's fault or anything it wasn't like it was their hotel facility or whatever but uh it's definitely one of the more memorable moments in in one of the road trips over the years i think joe 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 was like am i ever glad i wasn't on that one you know that jeff put that jar of ants he probably well it would have been a big jar it would have been a very big jar oh my gosh the truth now comes out yeah yeah i was i was mad because he took a quarter off me in the previous day's matches yes exactly um scott do you remember tennessee oh yeah um, you remember the we the yes, there was the, exactly. the nicholas course that we played the yeah, day yep. after we stayed at these little cottage things in the woods cabins yeah. in the woods yeah it was a uh, warrior state park is the one you're going to or whatever and yeah um uh it was not I, a it was not a very like like this is the crystal lake kind of stuff like uh yeah it was yeah, we had a we had a couple there. I mean, that trip was memorable because it was the eastern part of Tennessee and Kentucky uh, for that road trip. And I think the first memorable thing from that trip was the uh, uh, I'll do the Warrior State Park thing, and then I'll get to the the Crystal one, which is at I think Cumberland. You heard Mountain. these stories before, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and again, this is the fun when you're going here. Yeah. Uh, the first one I'll say quickly and the other one's funny, but uh, we go to the place in Tennessee, great state park, uh, turned out to be a fabulous golf course, but it was funny. We, we get to the, uh, we get to the front entrance and there's two older gentlemen that are sitting on the step kind of rocking on their chairs or whatever. And, and we're like thinking, Oh, you know, it's just a couple of members or whatever. Well, it turns out it's the pro and the assistant pro and they're both about 80 years old. And, and, and then we sort of say, oh, hi, and the guy's like, well, we heard about you. We got a fax from you, you know, about you guys or whatever. <laughs> They're like, oh, boy. And then, uh, you know, we were too early for our tea time. So they tell us to go into the grill because they've got the best hot dogs in the entire state. So we wander over to the grill and we meet, I don't know, Miss Dolly or something, you know, as that's working in there. And, and uh She's like, oh, yeah, you know, we said, oh, we got to have hot dogs. We hear they're just great. And, you know, that's been the fun part, discovering all these little places over the years. Anyways, we order our hot dogs and say we want to. And uh, we're thinking, this is awesome. Can't wait. These are going to be the best hot dogs ever or whatever. I'd say about 45 seconds later, all we hear is beep, beep, <laughs> beep as the microwave goes off. <laughs> and she brings the hot dogs out of the microwave. And we're like, so deflated. <laughs> Like it's just <laughs> unbelievable. So yeah. And it continued. That trip was funny because we found, uh, we found one of the, our cartographers, uh, trick, uh, our GPS took us down a road that wasn't a road in the middle of <laughs> Eastern Kentucky that just got smaller and smaller and turned out to be a trail. 
And then we go to go to this one place that we know is, you know, it's kind of neat. We end up going to the original Kentucky Fried Chicken, which was disappointing in its own way. But uh, we go to go to this resort. We drive up to the top of this mountain. We get there. Obviously, we've got a lot of work to do, you know, so we're looking for an internet connection, phone or whatever. So we get there. We check in. They tell us, oh, the phone lines are down. All right. Then we find out the internet is down. Yeah. Okay. Then we go out of, we don't have power. <laughs> they basically, we have no power. And they're like, they don't know when that's going to come back. And I'm like, all right, Jeff, you know, on our way up, we drove past this area that's supposed to have this beautiful, you know, waterfall. And, you know, we should have a look at it, try to get a photo and stuff for the story or whatever. So we drive back down the hill, get to the area. And we start to see the side of the road where the people are on the side of the road. We're like, oh, that must be it. And uh, we pull over, walk down there, and these people staring over a fence up at the waterfall. We look up, the waterfall is bone dry. (laughs) And I look at Jeff and I'm like, nothing works around here, apparently. (laughs) Not even the water. (laughs) Not even the water. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, that same same, uh, thing a few minutes later, whatever, we decide to go to this, uh, the original Kentucky Fried Chicken which, you know, we go into this old part of this building, which has the reenactment of the original rooms of the hotel where uh, Harlan Sanders had his his Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we're thinking, oh, this is really cool. We'll see this and we'll see the restaurant and we'll be able to eat here and stuff. And and we see the reenactment area and what they've got there, this original hotel room. And we're like, okay, where's the Kentucky Fried Chicken? We're again, we're waiting to see this old school restaurant or whatever. And they're like, oh, it's through that door. Well, we walked through the door. It was a standard <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. It looked like any other Kentucky Fried Chicken in the world, except for the uh, the chicken was like about this. It big. was like a, it was like a whole chicken. Yeah, but it was exactly. only the chicken breast. Like it yeah. was that it was that biggest thing. It was like at least this big around. Yeah, like it was so crazy. A me- memorable trip. Always, always something would happen. There was always a highlight and always something funny that you could add into a story for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So, see, Joe. You've been on 31 fams and you've only went on one real road trip. But I think after hearing some of those stories, you're probably glad that you didn't experience some of those road trips. They're, they're pretty nasty. Um, now, get, staying on the topic of trips, um, yep. every year the PGA show uh, has been more or less a mainstay. I haven't been to one in a while for different reasons, but um the pga show is always a mainstay of uh of you know our first part of our calendar year at the end of january we always go down and different things would happen and um there was always you know fun things that uh, that occurred during pga shows but one of the one of the things that was that was kind of interesting was we did have the opportunity one year to uh to uh, take um joe to mm-hmm. his first PGA show and accompanying Joe to his first PGA show was, was um, another staff member at the time, Chris Meekin, um, his mini me. And uh, Joe's um, not laughing. Now he is. Joe's not laughing. He's afraid <laughs> of where this story is going to go. But... I know where it's going. So, Rwanda. So, so there were two, there were two major things that occurred during this trip uh... that were, that, that were rather interesting. <clears throat> One of them was uh, was the hotel that we stayed at, dubbed Hotel Rwanda. Um, Joe, what do you remember of uh, of that particular hotel? Not sleeping. 
<laughs> Scared. Why, Joe? <laughs> what was wrong with your hotel room, Joe? Well, the crack through the ceiling, uh, <laughs> floors uneven. God only knows. I think there was a what hole part, in the floor of your room. What what part of town were we in? Or? We're still in, and it wasn't that far from the convention center. It just it just so happens that there are a lot of rundown hotels that maybe don't portray themselves as being run down when you look at them online you're thinking oh that'll be okay not so much hence, yeah, of course, we, no. al- hence we always read reviews before we went anywhere else and sometimes those weren't even true <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly some of them are pretty bad now one of the things that uh that um we kind of um you know in hindsight we, we made up <laughs> was there was an initiation for any you know new- <laughs> There's an initiation for any new staff members at the time that were yeah. joining, you know, us on their first PGA show um, that we would go to Buffalo Wild Wings and uh, and they had to consume. Um, I believe it was three. Was it three? Three. Um, suicide. It was, it was four. It was four. Suicide hot wings. And these things are like unbearably hot like the, the, the funny part about it is there really was no initiation which is scott nice way of getting joe and chris to do something um as a i mean maybe it's a little hazing thing but all in good fun anyway um out come these wings you know they're joe's like joe's pretty much sitting as he is right now uh on the uh, on on if you're watching on youtube just eh, whatever. Okay. Bring them on. Let's go. I'll get these done. And then we'll have my dinner. Um, Chris, on the other hand, was not quite as calm, cool, and collected leading into the challenge, so to speak. And uh, the wings came out and you could just in front, you could feel the heat from the wings coming off the wings. Well, I think you could smell them from Georgia. probably. Yeah. Uh, Joe popped through four wings no problem at all like trooper guy joe is joe's the man chris did not make it (laughs) chris didn't make it through four wings um i don't think he made it through four wings and i don't he was he was doing some things to try to get the heat away that just didn't make it (laughs) he was eating sugar he was doing all sorts of things but yeah it only took minutes before he was off to the bathroom that's for sure exactly so you know these are um, these are some of the things that, that happen. Uh, you know, when you take this many trips, there's always a bunch of things that, uh, that, that can occur, um, that, uh, that are a little out there. Um, you know, a little interesting. I mean, there's been some, some PGA shows, you know, where, where I had, I had my own fair share of, of <laughs> PGA show issues. Um, <laughs> you know let's just let's just say without going into too much detail i was young i thought i was sworn to secrecy on those things i was young and i was foolish and i will never go into karaoke bar ever again you were very friendly yes to lots of people and they were very kind and they may have taken advantage <laughs> of your kindness in yes. in having an extra beverage or two so, unfortunately uh x <laughs> This is one story that does not get told. <laughs> this is one that will, this one, this one, those that know it, yeah. know it. And uh, they're sworn to secrecy on it. But uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting story too. Um, okay, guys, listen, 
we have touched on you know our favorite covers we've touched on on uh, you know road trips and and uh, uh destinations of interest and stories along those destinations um uh, what I want to touch on a little bit is is just get into a little bit, and we'll start with Joe on this one because, and this is really more for the two of you guys to kind of dive in a little bit and um, things that from a from an editorial perspective, and um, one of the things that I've always I've always um, taken away from every year every issue is the people that we meet along the way, um, the people that we talk to. Uh, the profiles that we do and, and uh, on people and what that's, you know, what that's given to us as far as knowledge of these individuals and, and learning things that you don't always learn. And I haven't written as many of them as the two of you, which is why I'm kind of deferring this to you guys. But, you know, Joe, uh, you've written a, a so many different profiles on so many different people. Any of those profiles that you've written, I mean, you don't have to get into details about the profiles themselves, but any of those profiles and stories about people that you've written that just over the over 25 years, you know, just kind of come to mind, like, you know, I remember writing about this guy or, you know, interview I did with this guy. Well, the one that stands out is uh, Ernie Wakeland. When uh, I went up to... Um, up to Renfrew to meet his son, Charlie. Obviously, Ernie had passed away years before, but uh, Charlie was such an in interesting old guy and uh, his memory was very intact. Uh, it, you know, it, all of these profiles, they're, they're, that one stands out, but what really stands out is the stories each one of these people have have to tell and you don't know going in what's going to come up or what have you but uh, everybody out there has a story yeah and you just have to sit there and you you have to listen and then you have to take it from there but it, it's just fantastic uh, what the stories these people are able to tell about themselves and other people around them, family-wise and what have you. So it's, uh, but it just the Ernie Wakeland one just stood out for for one reason, and uh, you know, just just meeting his son Charlie. And I guess the other one was, uh, yeah, that that's basically the one there that stands out. Yeah, Scott, what about you? Oh, there's a lot over the years, and I think one of the. I think one of the biggest things that resonates when you're writing the profile stories is one, as Joe said, you know, a lot of people are maybe not exposed to what these people have done in their lives. And um, it's always been interesting to see the impact afterwards and, you know, get a note from the family or, uh, you know, somebody to say, Hey, you know, thanks for telling the story. You know, we've, we've, we've known about it for years, but you know, they've never, they've never gotten the recognition that, you know, maybe they should, or they felt they needed to, or whatever. And um, I, I think for me, I mean, I think of, again, you know, some of the uh, people that had longer careers, um, Merv Costello, uh, for an example, who was a lifetime member of the PGA of Canada, um, you know, passed away a few year, years ago. And I can remember just going to his house and, and sitting and hearing stories. And again, I knew him as a, as a PGA professional who happened to be down in the Kingston area. Um, but I didn't know all his background and I didn't know, you know, 
the Canadian Opens that he'd played in and the people he knew and uh, the connection to all the different other clubs around, you know, Canada and, and so forth. And I think those are the things that always um, are the neat threads. And we don't always have the space to tell all those stories, but it's the privilege to be able to listen and hear all those stories and then try to, you know, translate it into something that at least give people or the readers a chance to appreciate those people. And I think of Betty Ingram Wanakot, who just passed away at, I think she was 97. And I can remember going to her house and this is a lady who won 30 plus club championships at the Bay of Quinty and, you know, was, was playing in, you know, winning Ontario senior events, you know, 40 years ago and 50 years ago yeah. and, and 40 years ago. And it, it's going to their house and then, you know, having them invite you in as a guest and, and, and being willing to share. Cause it's not always easy. I mean, not a lot of people, not every person wants to talk about themselves. Um, but you know that there's something there that you want to share with other people. That's kind of special. And, um, just that opportunity to be able to do that. The other side of it too, and, and I guess it, it falls into the profile stuff and it doesn't. And, you know, I, I wrote about it in the last issue, um, talking about in the opening drive call and talking about the privilege of being around people as they're developing in the sport. And I, I think one thing that happens in all of media, and it's totally understandable, is that, you know, people will always get attention when they become uh, the top of their field in, in the world, whether it's golf or, or sport or business or whatever, um, they will always get attention. But the neat part is to be there when they started, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we've all talked about this and, and, you know, all, a lot of people for, are for very familiar, obviously with, with a Brooke Henderson or Brittany Henderson at this point, or, you know, a Brad Fritch or a Lee Curry, you know, all these people, but to have watched them as kids develop and to know them, and to have that personal relationship of having witnessed those things, um, yeah. that that's, those are really neat. I mean, Salima Musani, who just was named as assistant uh, coach for Team Canada just yesterday, um, you know, I can remember being there and watching her shoot 66-66 at the Ottawa Hunt Club in 2006. And, you know, again, to be able to share those stories back then and have those knowledge of those stories, it's, it's just really kind of an honor. So, you know, overall it's hard to say one profile over another, but just they're memorable all for different reasons. And for the fact that you're able to share their personal stories. Now uh, let's spin that a little bit more and stay with the editorial side of things. Um, 25 years, you know, roughly, um, you know, six issues a year. I mean, there's a lot of magazines that we've published a lot of, yeah. a lot of news articles that have been written, a lot of profiles, a lot of course profiles, um, we've always tried to have every issue is always, we've always tried to have one major feature editorial piece in every single issue. And, um, some of those features are equipment features. Some of them are instruction features. Some of them are, are, you know, travel, travel features. Um, any one feature over the, uh, over the years that, um, that you particularly enjoyed writing, um, uh, that particularly stands out as, uh, as something that, uh, um, that you liked the feature itself, how it looked in the magazine, you know, the cover, the story itself, anything like that in particular, Joe? Well, there's two that stand out. And I guess McKellar Park, uh, just for its history, was one. And the second one was uh, more recent, was uh, the Ottawa Valley Golf Association officials and their story. Mm. As you know, yeah. I've, 
I'm probably 40 years into the Ottawa Valley Golf Association. I've been a, uh, I've been a tournament director. I've been the president. Uh, and now I'm on the Hall of Fame committee as the historian of the OBGA, basically. And uh, it was just a treat to be able to uh, talk to each of these officials. And we have more at the time, I guess there were level four officials in the Ottawa area than there were in any other pocket in Ontario. And just their stories, uh, what they do, how they get involved, and they don't ask for a thing. They, they're out there because they love doing the rules, much, as, much the same as our flagstick events. We get the crew from the OVGA and they don't yeah. ask for a thing. They just want to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, Jeff, you've always wanted to run an event that was close to properly run as possible. And from the onset, we've had OVGA officials or yeah. we've had officials looking after our players. Yeah. Players may not like it, but it, hmm. when they have to play by the rules, these guys are always there. So those are the two that stand out for me. Yeah, we have been definitely very fortunate with the uh, with the flagstick events, particularly the flagstick open, uh, where we we've had you know top OVGA officials and and uh, you know helping us out with those events, making sure that everything runs the way it should. Um, so you know that's been that's been really good for us over the years, and that, that's a great one. I'd actually I actually had forgotten about that as a feature. Uh, the officials one that you did and that was a really good one Scott what about you I know you've written so many <laughs> yeah. you know, to kind of pinpoint it down for me I probably have never written any of the features so <laughs> it'd be easy for me to pick one because there weren't any but um, yeah it's hard it's it's hard because you're right again there were you know we're talking a couple hundred plus publications and always some sort of feature in it and whatever else we did online and stuff as well but uh, I think a combination of a couple things um, one I can remember doing one called the tour rep life uh, whether it was the golf dream job. And it just happened where, you know, somebody on social media or something said, Oh, that seems like the dream job or whatever. So I thought I'd dig into it. And I actually went down to a tour event, spent some time with the tour reps, you know, all the time in the truck doing all sorts of different things, seeing how, what their job was like or whatever, and was able to kind of lay that out. So that was kind of a fun and interesting one to do. Those things were really neat to do. I know I did one that was more of a, uh, a, it was more of the jobs in the industry. And I can remember spending a very early morning with Eric Ruse from the Ottawa hunt club and going out and looking at the jobs of, of in the industry and what these people do. So people would have a, a greater respect for what they did. And I went, you know, first thing in the morning, drove up from Kingston to Ottawa. I think, you know, Eric was having a laugh because he's like, Oh, I'm going to be there at four 30. And I'm like, I'll be there. And, uh, you know, I was there and he probably thought, oh, no, there's no way he's going to come. And, and, you know, spending time with those people in the industry and be able to share their jobs. Um, and another one, the same uh, sort of vein, as far as, again, trying to showcase golf a little bit. Uh, we did one, which I almost even forgot about, was called What Makes Golf Good? And it was really a compilation of reaching out to a ton of different people that were golfers or in the golf industry and getting their feeling or their expression of why golf was important to them and what it did for their life. And it was interesting and eye-opening to hear their perspective of why the game was special. And again, 
just to be able to write that and share it was was kind of neat so again very hard you could you know i could start on one list and next thing you know if i had them all in front of me we could be 20 30 deep just commenting on on all the different things um but those are certainly ones that stand out yeah for for me i mean you know i, I didn't I, I don't recall writing any um myself writing any of the features because i don't think we really started doing the major features in the magazine until after you arrived yeah and then after that it was pretty much you and joe handling all of that but um i do I do want there, there's there's a number of them. I love them all. Um, there's one in particular that uh, it's not I wouldn't say that it's my favorite, but um, looking at the instruction stuff that we've done over the years, we've done a number of instruction features. And, you know, Kevin has Kevin Haim has always you know, been the one to to participate in those with us. And the one that that stands out the most to me is one that we did called Sports Talk. Oh, yeah. And um, I think people will see a little bit of this come through later on this year when we do a video feature. Um, but the, the sports talk one was very, uh, very interesting because, uh, um, you know, we're here. We're, uh, I, def I definitely remember that. I remember that full photo shoot. And inside it wasn't just you know, the photo shoot was fun, but inside we actually Kevin was actually had skates on. 16th and fairway at Eagle Creek. There you go. So um, it's just stuff like that, that um, you could do just a basic feature instruction feature on something and say, okay, write this, take up pictures. But, you know, we, we always sort of went the extra mile and Kevin was always a willing participant in doing something like that. So it kind of goes on. I wanted to mention the instruction because there's been so many, all, all of the, his, the historical stuff that we've done, uh, the research that's gone into, you know, from a history standpoint, some people are into the history. Uh, some people, we run a feature like that, and some people are not, you know, they don't respect it the same, so they don't care. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's any less important for us to do stuff like that, because there's still a fair number of people that enjoy the historical side of things. Um, you know, doing instruction, uh, you know, you know, feature travel editorial, stuff like where you, you get into, you know, the, a day in the life or, um, you know, jobs in the industry. Well, we've done feature feature instruction on uh, on uh, golf course architecture, where we uh, we involved uh, Stephen Ward from uh, um, uh, that uh, Golf Plan Associates that was responsible for a number of golf course uh, golf courses, particular ones like Trillium Wood, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Timber Ridge, um, you know you know, a fantastic architect who did all the, redid all the greens at Renfrew, but he was involved a big part of that feature editorial that we did as well. So there's been such a variety of feature editorial over the years. And, you know, once again, getting back to historical one, uh, this issue with the uh, history of organized golf, uh, the last hundred years in this region. So, um, you know, people have to understand, you know, people that are watching and listening have to understand the, the time and energy that goes into these feature editorials, it's not like covering a tournament and writing about who won taking a picture, holding up a trophy and putting the results. Yeah. These feature editorials are, you know, you know, better getting, getting into the three, four, five, six, seven thousand, some, some even more uh, words written that hours of research that go into them. Um, and uh, you know, these editorials, you know, what we do is about producing magazines and yes, advertising is, is pays for this stuff, but the people that are advertising in the magazine have no idea what the feature stories are going to be before we write them. 
uh, before we publish them. If we don't publish a feature story in the magazine, it's not going to affect, uh, have a direct effect on whether we get advertising or not. So it's not like these editorials that we're doing are for the benefit of our advertisers directly. These are being done because they're to the benefit of the reader. And it's it. And I think that's again comes back to to how this magazine and how this business is is built reader first and you know advertiser second yes the advertising is important but the primary goal is to engage with our reader as much as possible that will benefit the advertisers in the long run but so when we're coming up with these story ideas and when you guys are sitting down writing this stuff you're thinking about it primarily you know 100% directed at what does the reader want to hear what does the reader want to see what do they want to read um it's not up to you to worry about the advertising. That's my job. So, um, you know, what, what uh, you know, over the years, what, what's the motivation on from you guys as far as uh, some of these stories? And, and is there an endless bucket that you uh, <laughs> that you have uh, sitting beside you in your office when I say, oh, what, what's the feature this month? And you're like, well, let me just uh, reach over here and see, yeah. well, we got, uh, what are we doing doing this? You know, Joe, what, you know, what's the motivation behind some of the, some of the features that, that you want to write? Not so much what Scott might say, okay, we're going to do this, like that you want to write, things that you want to talk about. Well, I don't think there's anything that Scott tells me to write. It's, it's interest, uh, like right now, it's been an exceptionally great year, even though we've been through COVID, that I've had a lot of time to do a lot of research. I mean, what else are you gonna do? You can't go out anywhere or you couldn't go out anywhere. So I've been doing some, some research on a number of different things. And I, I think I'm up to about 5,000 words on a guy named Frank Corrigan golfer in the 1930s, 40s, uh, when the story comes out, they'll see, probably had a very privileged life. His father was the founder of the Chaudier Golf Club, now the Chateau Cartier. And uh, so he grew up in a golf environment. Uh, don't know how much he worked. Uh, seemed to go all over the country playing golf and into the States playing golf and finally married, uh, he was born in 1914. Well, save some of the story, Joe. Save some <laughs> of the story. I know. I know. But but this, Joe gets motivated. This is <laughs> Well, the story that's there basically yeah. is he got married in 50 and uh, had two children. And as the kids were growing up into their teens, he had stopped playing golf because he wanted to spend time with his family, showing a very different side of a person and tragically, in 1967, he was in Montreal, fell down a flight of steps, died. Wow. There's, there's the story of Frank Corrigan. And the, I mean, what he had accomplished was phenomenal. In fact, he's being looked at uh, in, for, for the OBJ Hall of Fame in the near future. There you go. So, they, you know, But the I stories mean... that are there, basically, Jeff, are of interest to me and uh, I, like you said earlier in this, I have to give kudos to Flagstick for taking me on and allowing me to research a lot of things that uh, I'm interested in. I became interested in, much so that I became a, 
a member of the Golf Historical Society of Canada, did their newsletter for a number of years, and uh, it's created a passion for history of golf. Uh, I mean, I jokingly say again that uh, if I had this passion for history when I was in high school, I might have amounted to something. <laughs> it's, it's, it's there right now, and I credit Scott that... Uh, Anytime I come up with a thought um, or a person or a project, go for it. You know, it's not a question, well, I don't think that's going to fit with us or anything else. We, we run with those things. That's, uh, and it, it's, it's been a great, uh, well, it's been a great 25 years as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, even though I didn't come on board full time until 2001. Look, anybody, it was right, everybody came on right around the same time, didn't they? Scott was, uh, you know, latter part of 99, 2000. Joe was 2001. Sean came on board in 2001. Um, you know, we had some other staff, uh, uh, Chris Meekin. Um, there was a, a very short stint that we had uh, uh, ventured out into a Central Ontario edition um, with uh, Pat McCauley was with us at the time. And I, Interestingly enough, Pat's gone on to become a pretty a pretty big real estate deal in the uh, Peterborough Corwatha area. So uh, I like to think that uh, that uh, I helped him out a little bit with his sales techniques. Um, but anyway, no, we had a you know Central Ontario was a you know it's not all you know the the twenty five years is not all um, you know um, a bed of roses either. It's not a, the journey to get to where we are now is. You know, and I'm not speaking, I don't want to speak specifically to you know, negative things, but not everything that we've attempted to do or that we've, we've launched has, has been a success, uh, you know, and some things weren't a success initially and it took a while for them to take, you know, I mean, we, we had, uh, you know, a few good years of Flagstick for Women, which we launched and sometimes something's success and it's, and it's, um, you know, call it a, um, unsuccessful uh, as opposed to failure is like for, for instance flagstick for women was a was a great concept we published three editions at one point we we're publishing three editions of flagstick for women a year and and the readership was outstanding but um, the marketing the advertising support behind it wasn't there and it wasn't because the advertisers didn't want to it's that you know we had flagstick and now we have flagstick for women we're after the same advertisers so you know, it was a, you know, it was a great idea, but, you know, these things, printing is expensive and you have to cover the cost of these things with advertising. And, you know, we did stroke savers and we, we delved into the golf travel as a separate publication. So we've done a number of different things there. Um, I, I recall we did, uh, when we launched our brand new website, we had a big campaign called project 13 and, uh, big launch at the golf expo one year and the golf expo has always been sort of like, here we go, start of the year, let's go. We got this website and God, if that website just, just crapped the bed in every way possible. Um, it was just a really, uh, and expensive as hell to, to have, we had a company build it for us and it was just a, it was a gong show nightmare. Um, but, but with some unsuccessful ventures come, some successful uh, uh, turnarounds and and we ended up you know uh, you know I learned how to how to 
do more myself again and and we were able to rebuild that website into into what people see now and and it's an extremely good website now and i'm sorry if i'm patting ourselves on the back but it is um it, it's deep in content it's always current uh we're always you know altering it and changing it to make it uh, more update for people and, and keep with the times and um you know so sometimes you know we fail at things but we don't really we don't necessarily fail at them we just uh, we just fall down a little bit and we figure out uh, you know another way of doing it that's going to be more successful and and we've done that i mean it's you know it goes back to what you said at the beginning there scott about resiliency um we've been knocked down a number of times uh we've been knocked down you know um you know, mentally and trying to do some things financially and trying to do some things. I mean, this is not 25 years of, of, of the, the growth chart going straight up through the roof. And, you know, I don't live on some cliffside overlooking the Ottawa river here with two pools and a Ferrari in the driveway here. Like, I mean, what? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's, um, it's a good business. It's been a good business and it's, it's had, it's, uh, it's had certainly a lot of hills and valleys to, to work through, but, you know, we're still here and, um, you know, and that, that's a testament to not, no, that's not a testament to my ability as a business person per se. That's a testament to, um, the industry support that we have gotten um it's a testament to the people uh like yourself and uh and joe uh and others that have written stories like kevin and you know rich mclean and dean ryan and i mean god the list goes on and on and on of people that have uh have provided content for us over the years and continue to support what we do um uh you know guys uh any any other stories um, over the last 25 years that kind of pop into your head that, uh, that, you know, people would never read it in the pages of this magazine or on the website, but would be uh, interesting shares. Well, I think, you know, going back to what Joe was talking about, and you mentioned about motivation to do things. I think one of the, the, the missions as far as finding stories and doing things is to find stories that people wouldn't think they wanted to hear about. But in the end, they did get to hear about, you know, those profiles or course stories or, you know, profiling nine hole golf courses or things, you know, they might think of, well, let's, we'll talk about golf course for an example. They might think of the high profile golf courses and that's what they want to hear about, but they find out then all of a sudden when you're doing a, you know, you're doing a profile on going to play a nine hole golf course in the middle of wherever, that they're like, wow, I didn't know about that place. Or, you know, it's, yeah, I've lived here the whole time and I don't really know about that. So I think that is that motivation that you talked about before. Um, I think it's, and that for me, that comes back to living in BC when I was a teenager and I used to have a book that it, it was a BC golf guide. And, you know, all I knew at that point of being 15 or 16 is I knew, you know, Capilano golf course and, you know, Shaughnessy and all these high-end courses. And then when you open up this book and then all of a sudden it's, there's 260 golf courses, nine holers in the middle of nowheres. And you're like, wow, okay, that's, you know, there's more to it than you think. So I think that's the exposure that we've done, whether it's, you know, pick a Algonquin, you know, Joe going up to Algonquin and Messine and, you know, not a golf course that maybe got a lot of exposure, but um, the fact of going up there and writing the story of it and how that course originated um, some of the golf courses in, you know, in the, in the Pontiac region that, you know, 
came about during a golden era when a lot of people used to go and, and uh, you know, spend their recreation time along the Ottawa River and, you know, they enjoyed golf. Um, there was one for an example, and I'll give you one because you asked for one. It was a story that I did online for uh, Remembrance Day a few years ago that basically uh, exposed the fact that there was a couple of benefactors in, in the Kingston area that ended up putting their money, there was a Richardson family, they put their money behind a, um, a camp area that was in the center part of our area that had, uh, it was a rehab home basically for wounded soldiers that came back from World War I. And part of the rehabilitation was having a, a little golf facility that was there. And to go again, go down that road and sort of explore that and find out the details of it and how it came about and who brought equipment there and how long was it around for, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even thought that was of interest, but the reaction to that story was amazing because again, there's people that lived five minutes away their whole life and never knew that, that, you know, that little golf facility existed or the fact that, you know, these Canadian soldiers would came back and they did the rehabilitation there and that camp existed. So again, it's stuff like that, that not only surprises us, but you, you know how you react to it and you see it as, okay, wow, that's really neat. That's insightful. Not from the historic perspective, but just the fact that golf is blended into the fabric of life. Um, how can I bring exposure to that? And again, then when people read it, they're like, wow, okay, that's a story I didn't even know I wanted to read, but guess what? Yeah. It is. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I guess twenty five years of uh, of being around uh, golf in in this region it, it just it just creates so much um, uh, so much that we want to talk about so much that we want to find out um, it's like this never ending it's like a never ending mission to to dig a little deeper and find out uh, a little bit more and 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 you know a lot of that you know I know Joe that's sort of your that's your your area of expertise and one of the things that you you do put your put your ear to the ground a lot and you find out these things and then I mean I so many times I've seen uh you know articles particularly on online in the back end of the website where I see something in draft and I'm looking at the title of it and I'm going what the heck is that and I, re I realize it's something that you're working on or it might be something that Scott's working on I'm like well, that's an interesting story. I didn't know that. And, and, you know, so many of the stories that you've done, whether they're features or just stories, whether they're profiles or just a little 500 word write up about, you know, different people, um, you know, it's, it's things that I didn't know. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly over the, you know, particularly the last half of, of the 25 years, I'm a lot less connected to what's going on out there um you know as then you guys are um you know mainly because it's not really been my role over the over the years or the last bunch of years but um you know those stories are 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 why we are what we are i think that's you know when you define what flagstick is um i think that that's you know we we'd look it up and that would be the the definition would would of what we are and why we exist is is for that stuff and and for what goes on around this region you know despite the fact that that what we've built over 25 years is something that is has become much more global um in its in its brand recognition um i think more people know across than the internet is internet and social media are the reason for that but you know the fact that 
anybody from anywhere can read anything that we that we publish online. Um, I think it's important that when we look at the magazine itself, which is which is the thing that's 25 years old, um, that's never ever lost um, or you know changed its focus. Uh, it's always been about um, you know golf within the region. Uh, you know, and, I'm going to uh, add something to that that yeah. that you know it's not something we've talked about, but I think is really important for people to know and understand. And you know, it's been said before, but uh, in some ways, but, and I'll, and I'll just give it an overall arching picture in the 25 years. One of the things that's also been important as well is, is supporting the golf community and being behind the golf community, whether that was, you know, we've been involved in every, uh, in the, our 25 year period, every time that the Canadian tour, for an example, has been part of this region, we've been involved in, in some way in, in projects and putting together, um, you know, programs and things like that. Um, there's a lot of stuff done behind the scenes to help, you know, the golf in the schools program actually get to this part of the country or get to Ontario the first time. Uh, lots of different, you know, support behind trophies and uh, donations and, you know, OVGA junior sectionals and all sorts of different things. I mean, this is part of the essence as well that, you know, again, we don't go out there and thump our chest over it, um, but it's something that sort of we feel is an obligation to support golf in the region and find a way to support the region. Whereas now, you know, we're a media partner, obviously with the play junior golf tour, um, anything that we can be involved in, it's not there from a commercial standpoint, you know, obviously certain things you're trying to do from a commercial level with programs and stuff for different events. But the whole idea is to foster golf in the region. And I don't think, and especially, you know, we talk about tournaments, we've been involved in tournaments since, you know, 2000. Uh, you know, sponsoring the Garrison Open and obviously creating up, you know, to what is now with the Flagstick Open Amateur Championship. Um, but just trying to be involved with that community, not just covering it as a media, you know, media people. Right but being, yeah, but being involved so that we can contribute and, you know, try to make things better. And I think that's the important part that, you know, is the brand more than anything is, is making golf better in our region. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I think it's, I, I think, you know, when I think about what, what we've, you know, and yeah, we don't, we don't thump our chest. And I think that that's, I think that that's part of the reason why, or part of the, you know, maybe we don't need to, or we shouldn't feel that we need to thump our chest, but when people look at Flagstick and, and uh, you know, and, and we have a lot of, a lot of partners, marketing partners, golf courses and, and golf industry businesses that support us. Some support what we do, not because particularly what their return on their investment is. Uh, some do it because they want to support what Flagstick represents mm -hmm. and, and what it has represented. And, you know, that's difficult for, um, it's difficult for a business to look at something and say, you know, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me whether or not I run an ad with them or I put this there and I get, you know, 500 clicks or 200 clicks or, uh, you know, three, four people or a hundred people book a tea time with me because of it. Um, we're doing this to support the, it's an investment in, in the continued growth of the game. And, you know, I think for me, I always lose sight of, of over 25 years, what Flagstick really has done to help the game of golf grow and and uh, and become better. 
um, in this region. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're doing, you know, things are good now with, you know, the way T-sheets have, are looking because, you know, people have nothing else to do and, and golf has become the thing again, uh, as it was, you know, years and years and years and years and years ago where there was a lot less golf courses, but it, it doesn't, it, it's not, it's not more than five years ago or less than five years ago that I can recall numerous golf course operators talking to me about how, you know, um, the statement was always that we have too many golf courses and not enough golfers to fill them. Uh, well, now we have too many golf. We have just enough golfers or too many golfers and not enough golf courses to support them. Um, well, you know, that's a, that may be a short-term thing. That may be a midterm thing. It's certainly not a long-term thing. I wouldn't think. Um, but what we are here to do is to continue to help the industry um, push itself and, and keep itself in the forefront by, by continuing to, to keep people talking about it and reading about it and watching things about it. And, you know, I think with some golf industry businesses and golf courses that they've, you know, and this may come across some some may not like me saying this, but I think some of them have forgotten uh, what, what we really represent and um, have forgotten what we've done uh, for golf um, in this region. Uh, truly uh, it's been a lot and you're right. We have been involved in everything uh, there. I mean, it, honestly, there's nothing that this, that this magazine business, you know, flagstick has, has not been in some way um, involved in some way, touched some way helped, whether it's covering an event, whether it's sponsoring an event, whether it's producing a, um, you know, a guide for an event. Well, it uh, could be as simple as phone calls and advice. I mean, obviously yeah. we, we have a lot of communications, with a lot of people all the time, but I, I think that's because it's second nature to us. And I think that's the, the difference here is that, you know, it's not done with an end goal or a purpose to do a particular thing other than do the right thing, mm -hmm. you know, and do the right yeah. thing for the game. And I think, you know, because we've kept that uh, as, as what we need to do, and that's our core, that's the reason why we've been here for 25 years. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, some people have said on social media, you know, uh, hope, hope to see you there for 25 more. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'd be Joe's, I'd be Joe's age by the time we get to another 25 years. <laughs> I probably I probably won't be around at that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Joe. You might be working from home more, but <laughs> you know what? This is this has all been fantastic to relive everything. But I think one thing we've forgotten to acknowledge is uh, our wives and our families. Uh, well, I'm forgotten <laughs> behind us all the yeah. way through all of this stuff that uh, have allowed us. Uh, to do our different parts of what's gone on with Flagstick uh, through the years. So I think they deserve full, full credit for a lot of allowing us to do the things we've done. Oh, 100%. Well, they say behind every, uh, uh, behind every great man is a better woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, and by far. And I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Tolerance is huge. And, and this is not, I mean, Scott, with all the travel, um, you know, for myself, especially in the early, the early days, um, 
you know, the number of all-nighters that I pulled, you know, getting, writing articles, uh, producing the magazine, you know, Trish sitting there proofing it, sitting up with me until two o'clock in the morning, knowing she had to work at eight o'clock the next morning, you know, worrying about me, uh, you know, driving from Ottawa to get in Aquay, half asleep with the magazines to wax it up and put it on the, put it on the flat so that, you know, the magazine could get to the print, get printed in time. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a ride. It's, it's been, and yeah, she's, she's been with me, you know, uh -huh, you know, the whole way, you know, even my, even my parents, I mean, you know, there were, we, Trish and I used to do deliveries uh, together and my dad and mom used to meet us in Crosby, um, the corner there um, of uh, highway 15. And, and there's a little gas station on the corner. They used to meet us there. And I used to give them the magazines to take to Kingston. And he used to deliver the magazines in Kingston. Uh, you know, um, my dad built all the original wooden racks uh, that, that for the most part are still used. You know, there's a couple of them that I have that aren't being used anymore, but I mean, Metcalf golf course, Tom Welch painted his and decorated it and still uses it. They don't use the new wire ones. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, you're right, Joe. It's our, our wives and, and it's our families, uh, you know, the support that we've had over over 25 years is is um is immense and my, da my daughter got her first bike at a flagstick golf tournament <laughs> yeah I, I remember that i remember that it was a smug the smuggler shootout i remember yeah. that yeah yeah I no mean, you're right yeah i've got one little interesting thing that uh i guess covering so many events in the ottawa area that uh i got a phone call from Jeff one time he had dropped into the Smith Falls Golf Club and somebody had come up and said would you thank Joe for what a great magazine he has <laughs> yeah well at least they knew who you were Half exactly the time, Jeff and I would go to a place and they'd say hey Jeff and I'm like I'm Scott and yeah. then you know Jeff would be the same and say hey Scott no so I mean yeah. hey it was whatever it, yeah, didn't, exactly. it didn't really matter so I've always but, I've always joked with Joe about that though if he wants if he wants the magazine anytime he's happy to <laughs> be the publisher and pay the bills I'm, I'm okay with that too there you go. it wouldn't matter to me at all oh god well guys listen um we could go on and on and on. Uh, this could be, this could be part one of a hundred. Um, but, uh, um, we do have to, we do have to end it and, uh, end the conversation. And I, I really hope that, uh, those that, uh, that get a chance to listen and are listening to this or watching it on YouTube, um, to get a sense for, for what the 25 years of, of doing this has, has been like. And I think, in listening to the the enthusiasm that we have for talking about, uh, you know, what the last 25 years have been like, that they understand how much it's meant to us to get to this to this point and and how much we enjoy it, um, whether whether it's hard or not. I mean, how many times have our parents said that anything worth doing is worth doing right? And 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 if you're not willing to put in the effort. Um, then if it's not hard, it's, it's, there's no point, uh, you know, in doing it, it's gotta be hard. And, and we've put the effort in and the work is hard, but the result is that after 25 years of doing this, we're still here. Uh, we're still doing it. It's, 
it's a digital magazine, not a print magazine, and it may never be a print magazine again. Uh, we don't know that because we can't predict the we can't predict the future. But right now, it is what it is. And and for me personally, the the journey uh, of the last twenty five years with both of you um, has uh, has been a lot of fun. I certainly hope that we're looking at uh, some more years ahead of us, um, and I certainly hope that uh, that both of you are are with me when we. Uh, when we continue that journey and uh if not then likelihood is that i'm not here either so um <laughs> thank you both of you for um all that you've done for for me and for this business for the last 25 years and for the region and thank you for doing this show with me today and and uh you know on the 613 golfer podcast and and talking about all this it's been a lot of fun this coffee's for you <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to finish it off joe awesome thanks guys yeah you know what it has been a ride um wouldn't wouldn't give it back for the world no neither would i thanks guys um i'm sure we'll be talking to you very very soon cheers all right cheers. wow well uh <laughs> that certainly was uh quite the trip down memory lane and and honestly people uh <laughs> We, we really could have gone on for hours and hours and hours talking about every little nuance and every little story from every little trip. Um, some of those things we wouldn't share with you, but uh, there's certainly, we tried to kind of kind of get through as much of the 25 years as we could and, and uh, see what, you know, see the thing, touch on the things that we thought would be important uh, for, for you, the listener, and, and for those watching on YouTube to, to know and understand. And, um, to get through 25 years of publishing in, in, you know, niche market media, much like this, let alone, you know, any media is, um, is a, is a massive accomplishment. Um, it's a testament to the kind of content that you're bringing. It's a testament to your audience's, uh, interest in what you're delivering to them. It's a testament to the support you've had financially through your marketing partners and your commitment level yourself as well as that of your, your families behind you, because it is a lot of long hours. It is a lot of late nights. It is a lot of time away from your family when you're doing, you know, particularly for Scott over the years with a lot of the travel, I haven't done as much of the travel, but, you know, just to, to, to get the information and to stay, it's, it's building that brand and building that reputation. And that takes time. It takes energy and it takes commitment. And, you know, I've certainly had, like I touched on a lot of people have been contributors to the magazine over the years. And, uh, but those two people, um, aside from my wife, Patricia, that's, uh, you know, that's been my biggest supporter, um, you know, aside from her, Scott and Joe have been, you know, right with me every step of the way. Um, you know, even before they both actually started working with me at the magazine, you know, when they were doing their own thing before, they were still right with me, guiding, helping, whatever it took to help me make sure that I could, I could do this successfully. And uh, I will never be able to, in my lifetime, be able to, to repay them um, and thank them enough for um, the energy and the effort and the commitment and the support that they've given me. So uh, it was great to be able to do that with them today uh, on the show. And I, I hope that everybody enjoys that, uh, 
that little interview roundtable, if you will, uh, discussion. And who knows, you know, another five years, maybe we're having another conversation. But at this point, we're we're kind of looking at taking everything one year at a time at this point, because, you know, you just don't know what the what the golf industry is going to deliver. And, you know, hopefully the worst is behind us and we can move forward and start to progress ahead under the, the new world order, if you will. Um, so look at, this has been a long show. Um, I, I think we're going to keep this last segment relatively short, and relatively quick, but that does not mean that we uh, do not give you our 613 golf podcast tip, uh, quick tip. Um, and uh, for that, we are going to go right out to the lesson tee at the Kevin Haim golf center and, uh, and get our quick tip this week from our good buddy, Kevin Haim. Today we talk about how bad it is to straighten here, and I see this a lot, people hike this shoulder up. Remember, when you stand over a golf ball, you don't want too much angle here, and you sure don't want to be tense. So let's bring those shoulders down and soften them, and then we have a little tiny bit of spine tilt in golf, about, you know, two to four degrees with an iron and maybe four to seven with a driver. But that's how we get that angle to our shoulders, not by hiking up, that's very unnatural and tense. We get it by just tilting our spine back ever so slightly and then let those shoulders drop. Take the air out of them. Let them go closer to the ground. That's your quick tip for today. Next time you're hitting golf balls, try to look more like this over the ball, not like this. For more tips like this, check me out at Kevin Haim on Twitter or on any social media platform. Well, another another fantastic little quick tip. And, uh, you know, for those, that's our quick tip, but... You know, head on over to flagstick.com, uh, check out the uh, the latest edition of, of uh, Flagstick Magazine, uh, the digital edition of Flagstick Magazine at flagstick.com. And inside that issue, you will find our second anniversary tip, um, you know, with Kevin and uh, and his son, Jake. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. It's a spring load your game tip that was run uh, back in 2002, I believe, and um You'll find that at flagstick.com. Also, if you visit the YouTube channel, check out this, you know, as you're checking out podcasts, in particular this one or T-Talk, you'll find the anniversary tip, the second edition anniversary tip there as well. So thanks again for doing that, Kevin, and uh, and make sure you check out, check out the rest of the tips at flagstick.com. Well, that's, uh, that's going to be it for me for this week. Um, I know we missed a week, but I think we made up for... Uh, the next couple of weeks, if we felt like it, with uh, with that uh, that uh, little anniversary twenty uh, fifth anniversary roundtable discussion with uh, Scott McLeod and Joe McLean, I I hope you enjoyed it, and I know I enjoyed doing it. And um, you know, uh, if you if you like that, and you like you know some of the other podcasts, make sure that you uh, you like us uh, on uh, on YouTube. Click the little like button, and click the notification button. Make sure that you get every single episode of this podcast. Uh, you can obviously subscribe to it on YouTube. You can also subscribe to it at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, you can check out every single episode that we have on flagstick.com uh, very easily. Thanks again to uh, Scott and Joe. Thanks to Kevin for, for the tip. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, TaylorMade Golf. And uh, uh, make sure you go to tailormadegolf.ca and check out all of the latest TaylorMade stuff, uh, the new uh, high toe raw wedges, uh, the the uh, Sim 2 uh, drivers, irons, fairways, hybrids, uh, the new TPP, TP5 and TP5X golf balls. Uh, so much great stuff from TaylorMade, and uh, they've been a big supporter of ours. So check them out at tailormadegolf.ca. Um, that's it for me for this week. Again, I am Jeff Botter, your host. This has been the 613 Golfer Podcast, and always remember, go for the stick. Go for the stick.